0: Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: All right. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And I guess uh, April Fools. Happy April Fools. We don't have any lame April Fool jokes for you. Just bringing you the goods today on the program. But a lot to get to. Um, Jets got trounced last night in Toronto by the Maple Leafs after a great start. We will certainly get to that. Look ahead to tomorrow's visit from the Los Angeles Kings. And of course, we are going to be all over the World Cup draw, which just finished up in, I don't know, the last 20 minutes or half hour. We know where Canada is playing, who they're going to be playing. And uh, for folks that are still learning more about the landscape of international soccer, we'll find out, did we get a good draw? And who are these teams that Canada is going to be playing? Nick Ziff's going to join me coming up in about 20 minutes. And then later on, we will dive into everything Jets with Ken Weave. And uh, I'm sure Weaver has a couple takes or two about Canada at the World Cup as well. Um, a little later on, you know, what we do on Friday? We drop the marbles with our friends at Canadian Club. We'll be doing that in the final half hour of the program. So make sure you stick around with us on YouTube for uh, the uh, festivities at the end of the program. Going to be a great one. Looking forward to it. We'll get Remus in here in just a second. Big thanks to all of our sponsors, including a new sponsor, Wallace & Wallace. Great to have you folks on board. It is awesome to welcome you into the Winnipeg Sports Talk family. Also very pumped to have Breezy Ben back with us. Golf season is just about here. Of course not quite ready but uh, man we're looking forward to a great season at breezy bend we'll tell you more about both of those a little later on in the show also big thanks to f apparel vita health culligan water manitoba battery royal sports not Auto Corp, little brown jug breezy bend boston pizza the nick and nicky dq group canadian club whiskey and our friends over at cool bet canada we will do a fun cool bet segment later on it is wrestlemania weekend Necessarily have a big uh, a guest on WrestleMania, but there are odds. This is the one weekend along with the Royal Rumble that you can actually bet on sports entertainment. So we'll have some fun getting to that a little bit later on. Let's uh, get this show on the road and welcome in the CTO Michael Remus. Remo, what's going on? Did you get uh, did you get got by any uh,
2: oh, April
1: Fools I today got, on your uh, on your timeline? I
2: got so got <laughs> by April Fools. I don't know. I saw. The Daily Hive put out there putting up a Vancouver sign, a giant like Vancouver sign, similar to the Hollywood Hills sign. I I that one got me for a sec. I did see Sportsnet tweeting out that um that the Nordiques are coming back to Quebec. That's a low blow. That's <laughs> lame. I don't I don't if the Jets were not back and someone did it with the Jets, I'm pretty sure it had been done many times. Not cool. You don't you don't mess with people's heartstrings like that. I don't appreciate that, um, Sportsnet. So I'm gonna put them on blast for that lame April Fools joke. I maybe saw some other like decent ones that might have got me. Uh, what the P- missing curfew podcast? I think was a joke. They're coming up with their own vodka drink. So <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I I think it's kind of I'm not I'm not here for April Fool's joke. No credit to us uh after last night's game for not uh putting out a special
1: breaking news graphic with paul maurice returning to the winnipeg jets (laughs) that would have been one i think everyone would have smelt that one out quite quickly but uh yes be careful on the timelines today um and don't get worked by some of these amateur pranks surrounding Mm -hmm. your feed on April the 1st. It's,
2: remember what day it is, people. I'm trying to remember now. I wasn't looking out for it, but yes, it is April 1. We don't have any joke. Uh, maybe <laughs> our joke would be, oh, the Jets are going to make the playoffs. Is that our joke? That they still, they still got see. a great chance to make the playoffs.
1: The joke was on us last night for getting all excited after I, the Jets jumped I, out to that man. 2-0 lead last night, my friend. That was, that was the joke, unfortunately, for most of us watching the game pulling for the uh, visitors last night in Scotia uh, Scotiabank Arena. Man,
2: I saw Blake Wheeler score that goal where he turnstyled Mark Giordano. Oh. Man, was that... I mean, he's had some highlight real goals. There was the one where he sniped, uh, where he stopped and popped and, and sniped top corner. Is that against Vega? I forget who that was against. But then last night, Mark, I mean, he just walked Jordan like he was Connor McDavid or something. And just that little kiss on the puck past Shaw, That's all I remember from that game last night. Blake Wheeler's goal. That was, um, yeah, it was all downhill. It was, was all, down it was all I, downhill from there. <laughs> I was so fired up. Oh, the, I can't wait to see all the Leafs fans on Twitter. So how are you losing to the Jets? It was two nothing. I thought the game was done. Apparently, uh, the Jets did too. Or, or as Wheeler said, they ran out of gas. You know, this schedule is just so hard, um, and they just couldn't quite. Uh, what was it? It Was the shorthanded goal? Uh, there was, that was the a killer. Was was, uh, was the killer made a five three? know, four three. Well, and what was it, 15 yeah. seconds
1: earlier than that, Paul Stastny um, has a wide open net and shoots it just wide on a goal that would have, you know, returned the Jets to even at 4-4. I mean, to me, that that 20-second segment of the game, um, mm-hmm. you know, really was the, was the difference. I mean, the Leafs got a few nice bounces early on when they came back in and made the most of them. Um, the Jets, you know, once again had major difficulties at times in their own end. Give a shout out to Mark Sports Video. I think he's with us in the in the in the bit. Check out his—he uh, did a nice little breakdown of what was happening and what wasn't happening in the Jets zone last night. If you uh, if you can stomach it, go check out the video. It was uh, an interesting coaching breakdown, kind of identifying where guys were, where they weren't, and wondering why it happened the way that it did. Um, but yeah, remote. I mean, listen, special teams was a huge part of the game last night. <clears throat> I mean, as devastating as that shorthanded goal was, I mean, the Jets, in a lot of ways, were sort of the authors of their own demise. I mean, both Blake Wheeler and Mason Appleton taking sort of careless penalties 200 feet away from their own net. And, um, you know, we knew that Toronto was coming in with, uh, was it the best power play in the league? Certainly one of them. Um, And a devastating 30% clip at home. Um, And, you know, you give a team like that opportunities the way the Jets did last night, and um, put it this way: You're going to need a superhuman effort from your goaltender to pull out a win. And listen, Eric Comrie's played well this season, and certainly I'm not hanging the game on him last night. Uh, but I mean, he uh, wasn't able to maybe uh, keep a couple of those out. And um, you know, once Toronto got the momentum in that second period, it was all Leafs for the
2: rest of the way. Yeah, just looking at you know the score. I mean, Ealer's. <laughs> you know, the Maple Leafs came back, made it two two. You know, the puck bounces off the backboard, Nylander puts it in um Ehlers takes the lead I actually liked Ehlers um you know replacing Connor there just a, he's got a quick wrist shot and you definitely saw it on that goal but then what yeah I mean 30 less than 30 seconds later uh Taveras ties it up and then I think it kind of you know the Jets game kind of got away from the Jets even though it was tied you, you felt it coming they get a power play goal and then a shorthanded goal and as you said special teams a difference Toronto three for six and the Jets and there were a bunch of penalties that could have been Called that were not. Um, oh, a Stasny going after, mm-hmm. uh, was it was just a hole who fell down and, uh, you know, Hainala's cross checking or
1: Billy. Uh, you know, he, he had
2: a tough go all, yeah. all around.
1: so uh, But you're right. There were yeah. a couple of instances that, well, well, put it this way for some of the things that were called, and then you saw some of the things that weren't called on both sides. I mean, listen, said, I'm not, you know, bitch about the refs guy most of the time but um it wasn't a great night for the uh, consistency I, of the calls last night for the guys yeah, in strikes. I
2: don't I don't want to be a bitch about the refs like every night but it's so it's so hard when you know consistency not only from game to game but just like with from period to period throughout the year and I know the GMs talked about that earlier I don't know what you do I do think it's impossible but I don't know some of this stuff um just sometimes it gets called sometimes it doesn't and you never know and I guess that's just what it is for hockey. I, I'm not sure, but I will say from the start of the game, I've got to be honest, when I saw um, you know, Mike McIntyre tweeting out that Comrie was starting in goal, I was very surprised. I know we want to see more Comrie, but you know traditionally they've put him in a position where he can have some success. He's only started a what against Vancouver, Arizona. I thought the game against Buffalo would be a very good opportunity for him to play and then you play Hellbuck the next night. I was surprised. So I figured when they started Hellbuck against uh, Buffalo and he had to be very good to, for them to win, you know, they were saying, "Okay, we're going to ride him back to back." I'm not sure I understand the thought process, you know, playing the backup against the tougher team on the second game of a back-to-back where the captain came out and said, "They ran out of gas." Um, I'm not sure where you, you stood to uh, on that, but I was surprised. You know, an hour before when I found out that I'm like, oh, that's I thought maybe Hellebuck was hurt or or tired or something because it it just seems to me like you'd want to put your backup in a position to succeed and putting playing against Buffalo um, would do that.
1: Well, I, you know what, and you know and it, I it was I, interesting. Yeah, I, like, I, I kind of thought that by starting Hellebuck uh, against Buffalo, it just spoke to the urgency of the situation. I mean, maybe it was the fact that they played these extra time in the last three games, like in the three-game winning streak up until last night, and Hellebuck was busy against the Buffalo Sabres and, you know, went all the way to the shootout. Um, But, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I was sort of stunned that Hellebuck didn't get the. But I did say yesterday, don't be surprised on the show. Don't be surprised if Comrie goes in Uh, because, you know, there has been situations where... All of us, both, uh, you know, talking heads and people in the chat, assume that, you know, okay, we've seen this story before. They're riding with Connor Hellebuck in big games and has actually gone with Eric Comrie. And and part of that, Remus, I guess, the confidence that Dave Lowry had in Comrie, having won his last five games. Um That being said, this wasn't about goaltending last night. Um, You know, it was about special teams. It was about decision-making. It was about penalties that were taken by the Winnipeg Jets that were unnecessary in the offensive zone. Um, And it was also a team that, as Wheeler said, was sort of running on fumes in the second half of that game. And it was uh, very obvious as they got into the
2: third period that one team had a lot more in the tank, and uh, that was the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think it was... I mean, clear that yes, um, that. but I'm not really here for the, you know, it's a back-to-back excuse. I mean, I I think the Jets kind of looked like the way that they've looked the last couple games, you know, getting outshot and, um, you know, Hellebuck wanted them to show up at the beginning of the game. He said that after (laughs) the Buffalo win, unfortunately, they weren't there for the periods two and three, but I mean, I just go back to the game on the 22nd of March, you know, Vegas coming here after a back-to-back. And the entire game, Vegas out, completely outplayed the Jets. And if it weren't for Connor Hellebuck, uh, they wouldn't have won. I mean, he stopped every shot in that game. So, I mean, it's, you know, I am here, you know, back-to-backs are tough. But, you know, where's the game? The game's when the opponent's on a back-to-back. The Jets came out flat in that one, too. So, I just think, they, ha- you know, this win streak that they've played Columbus, Arizona, Buffalo. I mean, not exactly a murderer's row of opponents, and you are winning in three O straight, you know, overtime games, one in a shoot one a shootout. So I just think they kind of looked like how they've looked, and they played against a playoff team, you know. So they got they gave up a, a touchdown, and I just that's just happened too much. And I was listening to Kenny and Rennie, and Rennie laid out a stat. I mean, how many playoff teams have the Jets beaten in the last like twenty two? I think it was like it depends if you count Vegas or not, like two team, two playoff teams, <laughs> um, St. Louis and, and Tampa so um I think this Jet, this Jets three game win streak maybe a bit of a mirage and they finally played a team that had some talent they were able to put them away. Well, I mean, listen, like we said before, it really didn't matter. I mean, there was nothing about style points. I mean, mm-hmm. if you were one of the people of
1: the fan base that was still holding on to hope that this team um, you know, can, can get in, uh, you're going to have to win a lot of games. I mean, you're going to basically, you're looking at 12 of the last 15 games the team needed to win. So if it's in a shootout, if it's in overtime, if it's against a team that stinks, yeah. whatever, get the two points. But Remus games like last night, I mean, you know, it, listen, there's not enough spots of just Arizona and Columbus and Buffalo to get this job done. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about a road trip to Florida and Tampa and Carolina and the Rangers all of those games the jets will be a significant underdog i would imagine um and a game like last night now again the scheduling and i don't know we've talked a lot about a hey, back-to-back games are a reality in the national hockey league and you know some teams are better uh, than others in them and you could you know talk about conditioning um you can talk about depth um all those things that you know some teams um, you know might have a leg up certainly on the winnipeg jets but listen, you come out with a start like that and you get up two goals. Um, you know, good teams are going to well, put it this way, at least hang on and be close and not be authors of their own demise. And you know, we talked about the penalties that took place, the inability to kill them, um, and then missing a few glorious opportunities that the Jets did generate. Um, you know, that the Leafs were a much better team at, you know, at making the most of the opportunities that they got around the Winnipeg Jet net and then, you know, once the momentum shifted in that second period, it really did seem like it was uh you know basically just a
2: tidal wave of momentum and uh, uh the jets had no answers for the leafs no no they they did not Huss. and yeah the i mean the momentum shifted and the jets really couldn't answer in the third period and you know this game was building up to one thing hustler austin matthews coming up did you know that he had 49 goals coming into the game and we had said before that he was one hundred percent for sure, um, for sure getting fifty, and I don't think it's. I'm not going to say it was cheapened by an empty net at all. I did see people suggesting that on online, but I mean he got it, and uh, it just seemed like there was destiny. Once the, you know, they took what that five. It's actually surprisingly scored five goals. And he didn't have one of them, but then finally, you know, number six, there was number number fifty. It was minus
1: 137 to score. It may as well have been minus 10,000. We all knew that that Mm. was happening, especially as the game turned around. Oh, I see Paul. uh, Maul Paris has brought his troll game in strong right out of the gate. Have we seen enough periods of Dave Lowry yet, Huss? I know what you're referring to, Maul. This is uh, the infamous Energy 21. Shout out to Richard's tweet. Seven periods into Dave Lowry being the head coach of the Jets. So basically one game um and then the first period coming out of the break i said you know maybe we don't stick a fork in this guy seven periods in maybe we give him a little bit of time to to see what he can do and ironically that was the last time this team had won uh three games in a row and they actually did win that game so i mean listen it's the same narrative i'll put it this way i hope you i i hope for all the people that you know were ready to gas dave lowry after seven periods uh, I hope they don't make the same judgments for some of the players like a Villy because if you wanted to make a hot take about Villy from last night's game, I think it would also be a rush to judgment and an illogical conclusion. Uh, but yeah, listen, I'm a, uh, I, am I, I if you're asking me, if I think that the interim tag is going to be taken off Dave Lowry because of what we've seen so far, Maul, I don't think that is uh, that is the case. All that being said, we'll see what Weaver has to say about that. Lots to get to going into this Kings game tomorrow night. And, um, you know, listen, I mean, I know someone, there's been a bunch of people talking about 55. At this point, it's sort of low-lying fruit. I've been talking about this for a while. The engagement level, the uh, the given F factor, not there enough. And, um, you know, these last couple of games, very, very disappointing for a guy that with this team, it, with the situation that they are in right now, they absolutely are needing more out of Mark Scheifele. And um, hasn't been there the last couple of games. I know that was a big topic after the game. We will talk about that coming up with um, uh, with Ken a little bit later on in the program. However, Remo, a lot of excitement going in, and I did see Imal saying enough about the Jets, let's get to WST, Winnipeg soccer talk. What an exciting day it was for Canada today, Remo, as we found out who Canada is playing in the World Cup draw.
2: Yeah, even I found myself uh, tuned in. I, I April Fools were not Winnipeg Sports Talk anymore. It's uh, Winnipeg Soccer Talk going forward. Canada officially a soccer nation in the World Cup, and I wasn't. I watched that World Cup draw. I don't know. They pulled the balls out, opened them, got those pieces of cloth. Uh, I knew enough that uh, I didn't want to get Canada to get pulled into that Group E. With Spain and Germany and Japan, I think everyone, every Canadian soccer fan on Twitter was like, "Oh God, this is lining up for Canada be in that ridiculously tough group." But no, they ended up getting in Group F with Belgium, Croatia and Morocco. And it seems like it's not the hardest group. It's also not the easiest group. And look, every group you're going to get in, it's going to have it's a World Cup, you're going to be against a uh, pretty strong team so uh i don't know how canada is going to fare but i am excited to find out and it seems like there's a lot of mixed reactions based on this group uh marat tweeted out the world rankings if you want to look uh, belgium is 2nd croatia 16th morocco 24 canada 38th and but canada's they're coming on a heater but i think all the the other teams are, are as well Coming in strong too.
1: We're yeah, we're we're uh, Canada's are big risers right now. And uh, anyways, looking forward, to is this going to come in? We're going to talk about all eight groups, Wait. um, and get uh, and get a little bit of a feeling about how we should feel about uh, this group. Um, obviously, the Belgians have been the number one team in the world up until recently when uh, Brazil took them over. Uh, but I think there is some positives from it as well. it will be interesting to get Ziff's take on the toughest group so far and just the way things look as we count down seven months until Canada returns to the World Cup. So listen, Ziff's just about ready to go. Um, <clears throat> before we do that, a big official Winnipeg Sports Talk. Welcome to our newest sponsor, our friends, over at Wallace and Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. Um, if you've been around the city. Um, you know, for years, you've seen their fences and trucks uh, all over the place. They've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. Uh, bottom line is, if your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if the winter has done a number on your old one, give Wallace & Wallace a call. And they have it all. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain liner, or wood. Wallace & Wallace has the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they also... Have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors and the experts um, to get you the right one for your property. Give them a call, 452 2700. Ben, Charles, Mark, and the rest of the gang at Wallace and Wallace will arrange a time to come down and give you a free estimate. You can also find them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston. A big WST welcome to Wallace and Wallace. Great to have you guys on board. WST is also brought to you by our friends over at F Apparel, Winnipeg's leading spot for affordable custom suits for men. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom made suits start at just $400. They're of course the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. If you have a big event coming up and you need to look great, F is here for you. Also have a great deal for 15% off for your wedding party and a real great promotion. If you got a youngster, a young high school graduate that's getting ready for the next stage of their life, free shirt, free tie showing your valid Winnipeg High School ID heading into grad so you can get completely done up with a full suit, shirt, tie starting at just 400 bucks. F Apparel, they're down at 190 Smith Street. Or find out more online or make an appointment at fephapparel.com. And of course, our friends at Vita Health are uh, the go-to people for the best in supplements, healthy groceries, Uh, dietary needs and more they've got it all over at vita health Uh, not to mention an incredibly delicious and healthy grab and go deli featuring vita market salads soups sandwiches and more and uh, if you don't have time to get down to vita health check out their new fully working website uh fully shoppable website i should say at myvita.ca you can order online and schedule a delivery with instacart Uh, again vita health fresh market winnipeg's leader in supplements and healthy groceries all natural as well seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in linden ridge and online at myvita.ca all right Let's talk some soccer. We will get to the Jets. Ken Weave's going to join us a little later on. Uh, but we've been waiting for this day for a while. We knew it was going to be happening before the show. We had to get Nick Ziff back in here to talk about Canada's draw at the World Cup. And Nick Zifferelli joins us now. Ziff, what's going on? How uh, That was wild this morning. Did
3: you enjoy hey, it? I don't know if you've ever watched one of these before, but uh, it's sort of like a little bit of uh, Inspector Clouseau and, Spectre gadget and they got all these silly things with the balls that they do. And it's uh it's really, it's kind of a funny, it, it, it's kind of funny when they put it all together, but nonetheless, this is their, how they do it. And this is, and this is how the, the groups come about. Um, pretty nerve wracking day. I know that you, I heard you saying earlier, you didn't want to see them in with Spain and Germany, of course, and, and Japan. You, nobody wants to be in that group, looking at all the groups. So it's interesting. Very very hard to write, write you know right now say who's the group of death because for Canada their group is kind of their group of death they 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 didn't draw some easy group they're they drew a, a tough group there um, and you know you look at the maybe the Portugal group that could be a little bit difficult um, you know lo, lo and behold Qatar somehow rolled into the easiest group. <laughs> and they, they, they for sure to me that's the easiest group they have uh they, they, they're well, very, yeah. very fortunate
1: yeah i mean from our perspective i mean everyone was hoping canada would draw into group a yes. um that did not happen but yeah i mean as they were pulling it out and again we did have to wait till the very final ball of every tournament for canada to come yeah. out but that was good because we were staring that group b right now with spain Germany and Japan and uh, I, I would imagine at least on paper at least from the looks that is the toughest uh, group right now Ziff or is there one that stands I, I, out to you on uh, outside of that one
3: I, I mean look I'll tell you Portugal Uruguay that's and Ghana South Korea that's that's not gonna be an easy group either I, I th- this is different from most tournaments you can right away you look and you'll see the group of death most times uh, I don't I'm not really here. You've got a couple groups that are really tough canada's in one of them uh so uh, you know i don't i for sure don't want to pretend like they're not they're they're in a tough group and unfortunately i went right away to go look how that how how their first game was because i'm like man i hope we play morocco first and unfortunately we don't We play belgium first and uh
1: bring on the belgians number one team in the world well actually now brazil is but uh Hey, you want to start off strong? Go up against one of the best teams. Let's just quick, let's focus in on Canada's okay. group. So Belgium was the team from, uh, from the, the, the top pot. Croatia was the team from pot number two. And uh, Morocco... The team from pot number three and Canada goes in as the team from pot number four. Odds going in just for what it's worth for the overall event, Canada and Morocco had the same number at about plus 120, uh, 120 to 1. Now I've seen them listed Canada at 190, Morocco at 160, but there does seem to be a clear delineation from the top two teams to um the teams that maybe not as much as expected of in Canada would be in that group.
3: Right. And that's how all these groups break down when you look at them. They've got two, most of the groups have two powerhouses aside from the the group A. Uh, All of them have two really solid teams um, and and that's how it plays out. So here you've got, you know, obviously Morocco, which I know very little about. I I really do. I've I've got, you know, no feel for them. I haven't managed to watch any of their games and, and follow them at all. So no feel for them at all. I do know looking at Belgium you're talking about right down the middle probably maybe the best team in the world when you go from Van Dijk in the back you go through De Bruyne in the middle and you've got Lukaku up front these guys are a solid solid team very excellent coach organized tactically very smart very very good team um I, I think Croatia follows under sort of a similar guise, except much, much older. And this is a team where Canada can have some advantage against, where you've got some very old guys who play there. And 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 don't get me wrong, they're amazing. If if anyone uh, caught the second leg of the uh, of the PSG and Real Madrid, thirty minutes to go. Real uh, p s uh, uh, Real was out of the tournament. And they scored three goals. Benzema scored three goals, all keyed from our man, Luka Modric, from, uh, from Croatia. Fantastic player, 37 years old, still fantastic. But they are an aging team. Canada's a young team, major speed, and that's where Canada can give them problems. Uh, they can get a hold of that ball. They can have some advantages there. And then you have to almost think that Canada could be and might be the favorite against Morocco. So it's going to be a very, very interesting draw for Canada. Uh, they're going to learn a lot of things. Mm. They're going to learn learn a lot of things right away going up against Belgium. And, and bottom
1: line, in a tournament like this, um, you know, for a team that might not finish in the top two, pretty much you need to get a win against Morocco. And yeah. a draw and a draw against one of those other two teams. Correct. I mean, if you get four points, you're probably got an opportunity to be in that top sixteen and get into the uh, knockout round.
3: Very unlikely that if you get four points, you don't go through. You're right. So that's that's what they have to they have to work on. Croatia is not a high scoring team. They're not. So you know if they can come away with a result, if they can come away with three points against Morocco, and they can get a result against Croatia, they can go through. Um, I, I think that. You know, they need to go in and be able to play a good game initially against Belgium and feel good about themselves. That's what's going to be really important.
1: I know Winnipeg, Walter asking about a couple of the other teams. Let's just roll through the other groups. So Starting off with Group A, this was the group everyone wanted to be in because the <laughs> hosts were in the first pot. Certainly Qatar, nowhere near the quality of England, Argentina, France, Spain, Belgium, Brazil, Portugal, the other top seeds in the other groups. They are in a group with Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. Um, is this Netherlands group to lose?
3: The, the Dutch won this group. There's no offense or butts about it. The, the Dutch, is, their whole program's on an upswing. Uh, they went through some very dark times, not, not making the World Cup and uh, not qualifying for major tournaments, but they are back. They've got some really great players, and uh, they're going to move forward well.
1: All right, let's get to group B. England was the top seeded team, then came the United States, Iran, and what's the uh, what's what's the last team in this one? Is that one of the qualifiers? Yes.
3: Yeah, so here I I believe it is it's going to be Wales, Scotland. I believe is who that is.
1: Yeah, uh, or or around, potentially okay. Ukraine, right? Because Ukraine Ukraine and Scotland are playing, the winner of that plays Wales, and the winner of that gets into the World Cup, and that is the spot. So, and normally that Scotland-Ukraine game would have already been played for obvious reasons. It hasn't yet, and they're making accommodations to try to get them in. Uh, But I'd imagine if you're the Yanks or the English, you're feeling pretty good about this draw.
3: I think England's feeling really good about this draw. They are are the class of this uh, group. Without a doubt, uh, I believe that the Americans, as much as they have some talent on the field, I don't know if you watch any of their last few games, Hustler, they look awful. They absolutely look awful. Wales Wales can get in this group and do some damage in here. They've got some world-class players. And then, you know, as a sentimental, at this point, with what's going on in the world, it would be awesome to see Ukraine get in there. Um, That would be really uh, amazing the group is England's to win in my opinion uh I mean pardon me to lose it there, there's no way they don't win this group and and they they will go through and then the Americans are gonna have to fight it out with uh with whatever that team may be uh you know be it Wales or Scotland or Ukraine
1: um you know I don't know much about the Saudis but I can tell you that Group C has some powerhouses with the Argentinians the Mexicans, which, again, much like the United States, maybe from where they usually are, maybe are on a little bit of a down. Of course, Canada won CONCACAF, but, I mean, they're mm-hmm. still a dangerous club. Um, and then you've got Poland, and Poland was one of the teams that I think a lot of people of that tier uh, were hoping maybe they wouldn't see in their group, but uh, but there they are. I mean, a relatively strong group outside of the Saudis? It is,
3: this is a very strong group. I mean, obviously, Argentina perennial uh, you know, World Cup contender. Mexico's always played well in the World Cup, but they, similar to the U.S., talent, but they look awful. They, they, they just are not playing well. Um, and I'll tell you the team that I would be scared of in this group is Poland. They have arguably the best striker in the world, uh, Robert Lewandowski, and uh, I, I think that Poland is going to scrape their way through this group. They're a, they're a very, very tough team.
1: All right, uh, moving on to Group D, uh, you've got France, you've got Denmark. And I can cut you off
3: right there. That's
1: it. That's it? Well, what group, do you mean? What, what group's what, done. No Tunisia? <laughs> you, you, know, you don't like the There's, Tunisians' yeah. chances? And uh, this is one of the other intercontinental qualifiers. I can't, now it's one. I can't remember which of these two games we're in. I know Costa Rica is playing in one of these yes. two. Uh, one of these two.
3: Correct. Costa Rica is playing uh, New Zealand, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. For one of the other spots and then i don't know i, I forget the other two teams um uh, uh, this group here there's if denmark and france don't go through uh, i will be in shock i know they've got li- brazil listed as a favorite to win this tournament france is the best team the, the france beats themselves that's how they don't win tournaments they have they have an excellent team uh they've got world-class killers up front um and i don't know if you know this Hus. Denmark, who had their captain die on the field in the Euro last year, just had him come back. He's playing and he scored in the last. Oh, I, game. I saw that, and he. Is and he, it was the
1: same same uh, field that he uh, that he. Uh, and again, he didn't die, but he nearly did. I mean, that was an absolutely harrowing, harrowing moment at
3: the Euros. It, it, incredible! This guy. It, it's it's amazing that he is back playing at world class level and that's going to be such a great story and look Denmark's an excellent team this, this is one of the when when I say say this I'm saying Denmark is one of the best cohesive teams in this tournament they're structurally sound they have a good coach they really play the ball well from the back and they have they, they are one of the better teams in this tournament they don't have the most talent but they really really have an excellent
1: all right, so I'm just looking at this uh, at the way this thing rolls out so France is the is the top team you've got Denmark and Tunisia, and the other game is going to be uh versus Peru or Australia or the United arab emirates so uh those are the other teams just that are in the mix in group D. The other intercontinental playoff is in what I've seen a lot of people refer to as the group of death group e Spain germany the japanese who have had a number of good results in the world cup as far as getting out of the group stage into the elimination um and then the other team in that group is going to be costa rica or new zealand as we mentioned i mean that was the number four from CONCACAF playing the Oceania group um right. whoever wins that is going to be up against it considering where they ended up and those other teams in that group
3: yeah, I don't, give that, I don't give either of those teams any chance to get through in this group. Japan's going to have to get a result uh, against Germany or Spain to try and hold their, their opportunity to come through here. Um, the Germans, I believe, have never not progressed through a group stage except for one time in all the World Cups and Euros that they play. They just go through. That's the German way. They are always very organized team there's they're always whether they have talent or not they're just structurally sound as well and Spain Spain is an excellent team as well they've regrouped after losing a whole generation of players and they play the game it looks like even faster than their than their the guys before them and uh, they've got a lot of young talent boy Spain's going to be a very nice team to look out for
1: who uh, i mean uh, spain germany who um i mean who should be the favorite in that group in your opinion
3: uh, i would i would take spain uh myself but like i said i would never bet against the germans ever 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 they're a very sound team
1: group f is uh, canada's group along with croatia Morocco and Belgium as we've gone through and then we get to group G and this was another group where you know as things were coming down you knew it was Canada and two African teams that were left in um you know there was some nervous moments but Brazil Serbia Switzerland and Cameroon um that from uh, from my uneducated eye looks like a pretty stacked group
3: it's it's uh, these are teams like Serbia and Switzerland, neither of these teams are high scoring teams, but they're also very organized. Like any of those teams from the former Yugoslavia, all those teams that have come out, Croatia, they're all excellent, excellent teams. You know that Yugoslavia, when they broke up in 92, they've sent five teams to the World Cup. One country that's broken up has sent five different teams to the World Cup. It's amazing. And so Serbia plays that brand of football, a lot of possession and they're a very hard team to, to break down and play against. Switzerland as well, good possession team, not high scoring. Cameroons has history of being able to score. I have not followed Cameroons lately in the last year or two. Brazil, to me, is a little inflated. How they're the favorite to win this tournament is kind of strange to me, but it's Brazil. People love the perennial uh, favorites, and uh, it, it, I, I don't see them. They're going to get out of the group, I would think. But I don't believe they have the talent to to go super far in this tournament.
1: All right, Ziff. Final group is Group H. Cristiano, Ronaldo, and Portugal, who, like, barely made it in. I did find it sort of funny that a team that was down to, you know, a win-and-in game outside of qualifying, like many of the other countries did, was still in pot one. But um, there they are. Um, They've drawn Ghana uruguay and the koreans what do you think of the final group oh nobody
3: likes to play against uruguay oh my god (laughs) they are so difficult they're tough they're mean they're kind of dirty they're a very very hard team to play against um south korea has has come to these tournaments and they've come with teams that are very workmanlike and they've always have make they make lives difficult for everybody ghana has a history of of good tournaments uh another team that i have uh not followed as much lately portugal i know a lot about and portugal is a team that i wish that uh they would have the moxie to sit ronaldo down and get the rest of their players out on that pitch portugal is so talented and they keep going back to the well with ronaldo um they're they're always going to give problems to somebody but uh I'll tell you, once they move, they move ahead from this guy, or maybe they could incorporate some other players and play more as a team as they do, Portugal's got a lot of players that can, can win games and they can make a run. They really can. There's a very, very deep team.
1: So uh, I've got this schedule out here. Let's just take a look at Canada's schedule. Canada's going to play their first game on Wednesday, November 23rd against Belgium. Obviously, a very, very tall task, um, you know, going up against the Belgians and Canada's return first time in over three decades. They then move on to Sunday, November 27th and play against Croatia. Their final game of the group stage. And again, in some ways, this is great because if they can get one of those results and and get a point in one of those first two games, then we get to Thursday, December 1st, and you'd imagine that that game against Morocco would be a great opportunity, depending on what they if they've been able to get at least a point in one of those first two games yeah. uh, against the Moroccans. And uh, really, the goal for Canada is not just to be three games and done. It's to get out. And you know, then that we, stranger things have happened in these single elimination games and competitions like this.
4: There is no question about it.
3: They're going to need to be motivated in these games. And look, that's the one thing that their coach is, hes a not only is he a good motivator, that's what he does. He's a motivational speaker. Those players will will feed off of him, and that's where they, they can get some edge uh, out of their bench because they're going to need to really, uh, you know, they're going to have to forge themselves together. They're going to have to have some belief that they're going to be able to get on the field with these big clubs, big teams, pardon me, big countries, and not be intimidated and, and, and play their game And as we've said before, we said last week, and if you've been watching the Canadian team, they've got speed that kills. They got it up front. They got it in some good positions. And uh, you get some of these guys, Davies or Davids, in with space, any space, and they can cause some problems for people. And that's what Canada's got to hope for.
1: Okay, Zip, of the teams that are the favorites in the group, those top pods will remove Qatar because they're the host, but of England, Argentina, France, Spain, Belgium, Brazil, and Portugal, which is the most likely of those world powers to flop at the World Cup and disappoint? If you were going to fade one of the favorites, who who is it?
3: I, I I, I I hate to say it, but I would probably say... I would probably say Argentina because not it's just because their group is not something that's going to be super easy for them. like they can come out and they can have a difficult time with Poland and with Mexico um, and And let's face facts. Messi's one of it, it, people will argue he's the greatest player of his generation, and if you don't want to say he's number one, he's number two. Um, he hasn't had great tournaments. He's had no success at the World Cup, really. And that's, that's uh, very little, anyways. Let's just say that. Very little. For so many hyped-up teams, he just hasn't come through with big tournaments. And himself, he just hasn't done well. and It's weighed on him, and you can see that when, when he's played in these big tournaments.
1: Let me ask you this, of course we're closest to uh, CONCACAF, we've been paying attention to all the World Cup qualifying, it's Canada, the United States and Mexico that are in and potentially Costa Rica as well, but of the three qualifiers, of Canada, the States and Mexico, USA is in with that qualifier, Iran and England, Mexico has Poland, the Saudis and Argentina and uh, Canada has Belgium, Croatia and Morocco. Who of the three CONCACAF representatives uh, should be happiest about the way the uh, ping pong balls dropped?
3: Oh, I, I, it's it's for sure it's the Americans. I thought you were going to ask me a different question. The Americans got the best the best group. There's no way they did it. I wish Canada would have got that group because that's the, that's to me out of the three that's the easiest one. Um, Mexico is in a tough spot. Mexico is in this, basically the same difficulty as Canada uh at least um the americans got off very very fortunate um and uh and and it's it's and therefore and they're lucky for that because out of all the teams that i've been watching play in the last month between canada mexico and the u.s the u.s has looked the worst they have not played well at all
1: hey let me ask you this and i know they were just talking to herbin on uh, on TSN uh, with Duffy afterwards, and you know, talking about how cool it was to have Canada back in and all that. There's seven months until this tournament. I mean, there's a lot of time left. Um, you know, one of the things that I heard him talking about was scheduling, you know, some international matches to play against some of these teams that they haven't played before. What do you see happening for our squad in preparation over the course of the next number of months through the summer into the fall to get ready for the World Cup? I mean, how busy will these guys? How many games will they play and how does all that work?
3: Well, it's really funny because look at their team. So they've got, you know, they've got a half a dozen or so guys who play in Europe. Well, Europe wraps up in uh, at the end of May or May for all intents and purposes. They've got the rest of their team playing here in North America. These guys are playing throughout the whole summer. So it it kind of makes it a, a, a weird situation. So they'll take time and they'll call these guys and they'll have training sessions and then they'll find teams to play against. They're going to want to play a couple of, you know, I don't want to say easy teams. They're going to want to play some teams that they can feel comfortable in possession and dominate. And then I think they're going to want to find a team that's going to challenge them closer to the tournament, and I'm just following what most what most teams seem to do. They'll go find somebody that they know that can challenge them in a game, you know, say in October, and, and just to measure themselves up and test some, maybe a, a different tactic, different formation, put a, a different player in and, and challenge that player to see if he's ready to step in. Don't forget, Canada's got a couple old guys back there uh, who... They're they're not going to last. the. It's unlikely they're going to last the tournament going three, four, five games, right? And because it's hard, you're playing three games in in seven, eight days. People get hurt. It's it's a very diff. It's it's a lot of soccer in a very short period of time.
1: Yeah, Schickster, a couple of people asking about the Nations Cup in uh, in uh, in chat as well. And I know that was something that Herdman was talking about Canada will be playing. They said they could be basically flying all the way around the world or into deep South America to play in that.
3: Yeah, and that's great. And being involved in that is really good because you're going to go and play teams, different styles and different parts of the world and 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 you can be challenged that way and that's really good. That's they're going to need to play as much as they can, train as much as they can, be focused, don't overtrain. But they need to be on the ball. They need to have game situations against very like-minded. So that's what they're going to look to do, right? Plus, so they're going to look to go find a team. Like Belgium and Croatia are going to have a lot of the ball against Canada. So they're going to need to find teams that are like them and play against them and see how they react, see how much pressure, where their pressure spots on the field are going to be, where they're going to try and win the ball, and where they're going to try and retain possession. You know, I mean, Canada's a very dangerous counter attacking team. So is that how they're going to play it? Because when you've got all that speed, if you can win the ball in a precarious situation on the field, you're going to create massive mismatches. And nobody, I can tell you this, I don't care what country uh, Canada's playing, no, but no player wants to end up with uh, Davies running at them one-on-one, in open space. There's no chance. That's a very bad matchup for any player.
1: Hey, you know what? Someone else in in chat, I want to get this in. Assuming Davies comes back, full health, 100%. We have the best Alfonso Davies at the World Cup. Where does he rank among the top 20 players in the world? Is he in that
0: group?
3: Well, that's a stretch. I'm, I'm I'm not sure he's ready to be there yet. Don't forget, the guy is just a kid. But he's playing and being developed by one of the longest-standing historical teams in Europe, Bayern Munich. And uh, is he there? He's, he's getting there. He's, and, and I mean, if you're, telling, if you're asking that question at his position as a wing-back for Bayern, yes, he's one of the top players. If you want to say overall, is he one of the top 20 players in the world? I know, I'm not quite sure he's right there, but he's getting there. But no. at his position for Bayern, he is top-notch, man. He's a top-notch player
1: well he's certainly gonna have an opportunity that unlike any that he's had before to go and show off uh how well what he can do and how important he can be with a uh, an upstart squad heading to the World Cup man this is exciting ziff and uh we got seven months to chop it up before we finally get the Belgians fed to us in Qatar that's
3: right it is a long it's a it's a strange gap okay eh? because it's the first time that now because usually we'd be uh we're in April and it'd be, the excitement's building now we're eight weeks away from eight nine weeks away from the tournament starting but yeah we're, we're closer to eight months away now or seven months whatever it is so uh it, it's it'll be a lull before then and it's gonna be hard on these players to to keep keep that mentality and, and that uh, idea is going
1: well I'll tell you what as I Remus put out on the tweet WST now stands for Winnipeg soccer talk we're counting down the months until we're back in the World Cup, Ziff, I know we'll do this plenty over the course of the summer. Thanks for doing this. And uh, now you can uh, go get to the site and check out the odds for the, uh, for the for the event that are just updated after the draw.
3: All right, brother. Say hi to Weber for me.
1: You got it. Take care. There he is, Nick Ziff. Love much more on the World Cup. Wanted to get to that right out of the gate today with the excitement around the World Cup draw being completed. Um, can we, coming up in just a second, do you want to thank Culligan Water for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, celebrating 65 years in business as the leaders and go-to guys for all things water-related in Winnipeg. They've got it all for your family or your business. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and city-wide water delivery services everywhere in winnipeg and surrounding areas not to mention commercial and industrial water products and solutions whatever your water needs are our friends at culligan have you covered visit them at 1200 sergeant avenue six nine four fifty one eighty, or you can uh, holler at them over at uh, online at drink well spring is allegedly here folks and finally, put the winter behind us and uh, move on to spring. And that means two things, spring cleaning and spring into summer fun. And Manitoba Battery has you covered for everything you're going to need with the change of seasons, whether it's uh, batteries to help you get the job done for your drill, you're building a deck with a tractor, getting the farming uh, for our farming friends out there, whatever, uh, maybe the lawnmower, whatever your uh, battery needs. are, Manitoba Battery has you covered for the spring cleaning part of it. And then as we get into the summer, whether it is a, a boat, a camper, a golf cart, or more, a Manitoba Battery has the batteries that you need to enjoy our short summers. They'll deliver anywhere in the city on the same day when you order by 1.30 in the afternoon at a much lower price than you'd have to pay at one of the big box stores. Shop local, Manitoba Battery, home with the best prices in Winnipeg, 1026 Logan Avenue, and online at manitobabattery.com. Com. Well, with all this excitement about Canada getting to the World Cup, we are counting down the days till the truckload of Canada soccer gear arrives over at Royal Sports. Of course, Royal Sports is the go-to spot for all sports merchandise. Uh, but the hottest seller very soon is going to be those Canada Alfonso Davies jerseys and more as we get ready for the World Cup. And, of course, spring is here. Bikes coming in daily and in addition to being a great spot to uh, buy and get your bike serviced, if you do have a uh, aspiring mechanic in the family uh, that's looking for work, the Royals gang desperately looking for people to work in the bike shop, both service, sales, uh, and working on bikes. So find out more, more information on that on their Instagram page over at Royal Sports RoyalsportsPemina on Instagram. And you can also find out more there about the latest merchandise drops and sales. Um all right let's get Kenny Weeb in here to fire this thing up and uh Weber, welcome back to the program um you know do we want to just keep this positive and talk for 45 minutes about the uh, the soccer draw and Canada going to the World Cup or what how are you
4: plus uh, tremendous uh, great to be with you i do have my canada red here for you i know a lot of folks trying to become experts on pools this morning i was not one of them i, I guess it sounds like canada's in a pretty decent spot maybe they would have preferred to be in pool a uh, but it looks like they've got themselves a pretty fair draw. Uh, lots of folks trying to learn about Belgium, Morocco, and Croatia. And uh, much to Nick's point, uh, again, the rankings to me are not really that relevant because Canada's playing a totally different game from what, I mean, I understand how you need to get earn points on the rankings, the system, but uh, the fact they didn't even have Davies for the last stretch of games as they qualified for Qatar, uh, that to me would make them a little bit more dangerous and, even though, they, you know, people might look, oh, all well, 38th ranked team, there's got, they got no way to advance. But uh, I would say that Mr. John Herdman may have something to say about uh, how the, uh, the Canadians play on the pitch uh, when it comes to Qatar in November.
1: You know what? Hey, you've been uh, in the game for a long time. You're a huge sports fan as well. And as a journalist, have been following, uh, you know, Can- Canadian sports for decades. I can't stop thinking about November and just how unique it's going to be. I mean, the timing of this tournament and listen, everything's unique for us Canadians. I mean, there's many of us here that, you know, Canada's never even been to the big dance in their lifetime. Um, But when we get to November, you're going to have the National Hockey League season well underway. The National Football League, which is a beast um, everywhere, is going to be in full swing. Um, Great Cup happening. I, the more I think about this, all of those things I think are going to take a back seat for a couple of weeks when Canada's in the World Cup. Are you uh, where are you at with what this is going to do for soccer? Just is, is the nation amongst casual fans that maybe have not been tuning in in the past?
4: For sure, Huss I mean, I heard you float the theory earlier in the week, and I can certainly uh, get behind it. Uh, you know, again, we know that those are behemoths in other countries. But to me, this reminds me a lot of when Mike Weir won the Masters, right? What it did for the sport of golf. I mean,, uh, you know, we we have close friends, including Nick uh, and Jim Toth and Miles Jones and guys like that who have who have just been beside themselves about the lack of direction from Canadian soccer for decades probably, and and that has changed under John Herdman. Uh, you have to love what he's been able to do to you know use this as a sort of unifying force for the nation we know that the pandemic has been tough but let's be honest us there's a lot of people that don't care about soccer slash football in the country that are tuning in every time Canada steps on the pitch and they view it as a as sort of one of these great moments where uh, they can kind of block out the outside world and get get involved for that 90 minutes and in injury time of a game and I mean to see what it's done in the communities and you know, people getting fired up for games in Costa Rica. I mean, Peter Labardius is a great friend of mine. He was at BMO the other day and he said he's been to tons of sporting events like you and I, us. He said it's one of the best experiences he's ever had watching it, watching the program, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing the history of the program since 86. Um, Man, it's just fun to see. And it's fun to see a country get excited about a sport that, you know, uh, as much as we love to build up hockey and hockey is a beautiful sport. There's a lot more people in our country playing soccer than there are hockey right now. So it's not a surprise that people across the nation are getting fired up about it, and uh, they'll continue to do so. I mean, the, like you talked about just now with Nick, I mean, the anticipation and the buildup. up there, there aren't a lot of sports where you have that much anticipation and buildup. Usually when a team is rolling, the playoffs start immediately after. Instead, you are going to have to wait a couple mm-hmm. of months. But in this case, it's probably uh, to Canada's benefit because they can continue to kind of bridge the gap between them and some of those teams that they're going to have to face come November in Doha.
1: Well, it was fun having Ziff on. We went through all the groups, and credit to me for not being the cheeky bastard that asked him what he thought of Italy's draw.
4: Oh, <laughs> huh. too soon, buddy. Hashtag too soon on that one. Too soon. Kenny, <laughs> um,
1: let's, uh, let's get, to, uh, get down to business. Um, well, it was a nice start last night. It didn't last <laughs> long, and as I said at the beginning of the show, many of the issues, uh, like the Jets were the authors of their own demise for a lot, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways in last night's game. Um, starting off with some, you know, undisciplined penalties in the offensive zone. And my God, that leaf power play will make you pay. Um, And then they did it shorthanded, too. I mean, uh, how did you see the ebbs and flows of that game? And where did it go wrong for the Winnipeg Jets in your mind?
4: Yeah, it's never but one single play. And as you mentioned, I mean, after the, you know, very rough start against the Buffalo Sabres, the Jets, uh, you know, to their credit, came out, I would say, you know, borderline flying against the Maple Leafs in the first period. And, you know, putting up two quick goals. And I wouldn't say they were dominating by any stretch, but they were definitely carrying the play for a good chunk of that. And again, to me, this is not about pointing the finger at one person, but I mean, one casual play, I I call it casual. Some people would call it careless. I mean, a backhand sauce to the middle that gets picked off. uh, I mean, yes, I understand a change of possession, but yes, the Jets were able to get back defensively to a degree. But I mean, that's a play that just can't be made. At that time of the hockey game, Huss, right? That puck has to get deep, or whatever else. But you can't turn the puck over again. Every single player knows this at the NHL level. Man, they know it at the you know bantam and lower levels, Hus. That the danger zones are the offensive and defensive zone blue lines. The Jets have been so careless and casual with the puck, and they're in those two areas all year long. And they feed the transition game of their opponent on an, on a regular basis. And then, as you mentioned, the undisciplined nature of the penalties. I mean, I counted at least three off, three in the offensive zone out of those minors. And yes, I mean, the one Dubois on McKayev, I mean, he kind of sold it pretty well. You could have given him a you know 6.0 from the from the judges. But there's just plays that, that those plays can't be made. I mean, those penalties taken, I mean, Blake Wheeler tripping TJ Brody, Mason Appleton tripping his guy. I mean, those are plays that when you build a two nothing lead, Hus they were inviting the Maple Leafs back into the hockey game. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, those are all avoidable plays. And do I understand that fatigue may have played a role in some of those decisions that led to the penalties? Of course I do. But if you're a team with a razor-thin margin for error, those are things that are preventable. And at this point, they could be what prevent the Winnipeg Jets from advancing to the Stanley Cup playoffs because of the inability to handle some of those areas of their game uh, all season long, to be quite frank. Well,
1: I mean, and the guy that you mentioned that made that incredibly careless pass, pass that started off was Mark Shifley. And I said yesterday on the program, I mean, I thought you were nailed it, you know, in the uh, post-game show with with Rennie against Buffalo. Um, he was not good. And um, I thought last night, you know, with it being in Toronto, if there was a time that Mark Shifley was going to step up, last night was going to be it. And um, unfortunately, he stood out, but for the wrong reasons last night, Ken.
4: Yeah, exactly right, Husson. That's the confounding... I mean, much like the Jets, Mark Sh- Shifley's season is just uh, one of those perplexing, mysterious things that, um, if, you know, if you're a college student, I mean, you you, you should think about doing a, a term paper on what, what has happened this year with Mark Shifley's season, uh, the up and down nature, the... You know, he goes through stretches where he is the best player on the ice at times offensively when the puck is on his stick. And there then there are times where the disengagement is just head-scratching Hus, uh, This isn't a team sleepwalking through its final month of hockey. Like, this team is basically had a chance to, you know, until Dallas won late in overtime, had a chance to pull even in points for the last playoff spot. And Mark Scheifele's effort at times looked like it was a preseason game and he had the roster made. I mean, the lack of a back check on the McKeough shorthanded marker was also. I mean, even if you can't catch him, where is the dive to try to poke away the puck or even Husk, He got close enough to trip him or hook him, right? I mean, I understand he tried to lift his stick, but I mean, he didn't. Try, he didn't disrupt the shot at all. Uh, and again, if you're if you're a, if you're, a head, if you're on the coaching staff, I mean. You must be looking at each other, wondering what to do because Mark safely offensively in this stretch of games i mean, what is it now thirty four points I mean, but what he gives back has been so absolutely soul crushing for the Winnipeg jets, and uh I mean that you're i'm gonna you know applaud you again on this huss. you were the first guy to bring it up, and I think that you know a lot of people were dismissive at first huss, but I truly think that unless this is just some kind of injury issue or personal issue with Mark Shifley that the Jets will seriously be exploring moving Mark Shifley this offseason i i really do
1: well and and to be honest ken i mean just to get to that point i mean you know considering the game in buffalo and and last night with uh, you know the bright lights and all the tsn guys there and getting bobby margarita out for the panel last night we saw kevin shovel a couple times in the in the uh, in the press box and you know we know the situation that this club is, and I, I really do think that there's some. Well, there has to be major evaluation, whether it be the coaching staff right now, which I'm sure is ongoing, but also in the personnel in in in, in the core of this team. And I couldn't help but think when they showed up on Chevy is what he was thinking, and I, I'm sure the number one thing that he's thinking is what he has to do to um to get the guy that has been the franchise player and the number one center um you know playing anywhere near his potential right now and, and, and really being engaged and seeming like he cares as much as some of the other guys in that dressing room.
4: Yeah, no doubt about that, Hassan. And you nailed it. I mean, Mark Scheifele is the golden boy. He's the first draft pick of 2.0 history. He has given the franchise, um, you know, a decade of of service and done and provided some of their brightest moments. Hus. I mean, setting the, that record in the 2018 run, he was, that was at a time where he was considered one of the top centers in the entire national hockey league. And to see where things have gone, it's a little bit baffling to be quite honest. And again, the offensive part of his game is still strong and he's still right around that point of game mark. But, um, you know, when Mark Scheifele came up into the league, Huss, I mean, he caught people's attention by saying, I want to be like Jonathan Taves and Ryan Getzlaff. And then later on, I want to be in the conversation with Connor McDavid and the best players in the National Hockey League. And if you only care about one end of the ice, Huss, you cannot be in that discussion. And as I wrote about in sports.ca, I mean, Mark has ended up, he's had a lot of highlights in the offensive zone. But man, oh man, that there have got to be some absolutely gruesome moments in the video sessions that take place with the Winnipeg Jets, based on some of the turnovers and uh, the lack of engagement that we have talked about. So now, if you're Kevin Cheval Dayoff, I mean, the, the exit meeting with Mark Shifley might be the most critical moment in this franchise's history. Us, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating here. Unless you hear something from Mark Shifley that tells you, you know what, my bad, I can be better, I will be better in the fall. I honestly think the Jets have no other choice but to explore all avenues. And now the other part is, I mean, teams around the league are watching Mark Shifley, I mean, just the same way as we are. Oh, for sure. That's the job of the scouts. So, I mean, are you selling high? I wouldn't say so. But I would also say that there are often scouts and GMs and coaches that would say, give me a chance to get a guy as skilled as Mark Shifley. And I can pull the best version of Mark Shifley out of him. Plus I mentioned it with Frank Cervelli, I think on daily face off a week or two ago to me, the Winnipeg jets and Philadelphia flyers are probably going to find themselves in a very similar place in this off season, being in a situation where they are coming off a big time disappointment and want to retool on the fly. And I mean, it's no coincidence that Chuck Fletcher was the GM of the Minnesota Wild. And we know that the Jets have spoken in the past about whether it be Patrick Liney, They have interest in a guy like Ivan Provorov. Uh, I think they have interest in Travis Konechny dating back to when he was drafted. I could easily see a scenario where these two teams that are looking to shake things up a little bit could find a, a willing trade partner in themselves. Now, can they find a way to make the money work and all those other things? Well, that remains to be seen. But, uh, I mean, the Philadelphia Flyers have Kevin Hayes and Sean Couturier to handle the defensive load when it comes to down the middle. So could Mark Scheifele go there and focus on playing offense and maybe hope to improve defensively? Uh, I, I could certainly see that as a scenario that would be at least discussed uh, at length, uh, if, not, you know, if not a trade being made.
1: Well, and just to your point about the uh, the exit meeting, Um, you know, at this point, after what we've seen and I mean, these guys are closer to it than any of us are. I mean, they're both seeing what's happening on the ice and seeing what's happening around the team and all of that. I'm not sure anything could be said in that exit meeting that could change the course of what we've seen so far this season.
4: So let's say your ears shovel day off. Okay, go ahead. I would say that if there is accountability from Mark Shifley, that is the thing that you have to see, because right now, I mean, I've said this before, I mean, Mark's putting up points and, you know, there's probably times he goes home and thinks he had a good game. And, and it, that simply has not always been the case. I think in this, in this season, well, I agree on that. If they're going to move if they're going to move that player of that much
1: importance to the uh, to the franchise. Um and and part of the reason why I brought this up at the beginning of this season was because of the way things were progressing, but also, you know, we can't lose sight of the fact that, you know, Mark Trifley has offensively been an incredibly prolific player for his entire career and for his production offensively, minus all the warts, you know what you're getting for just over six million dollars is something that's very attractive to many teams there's two years left on this deal right now if shifley goes though ken i can't see a situation that the winnipeg jets don't get a center back like i don't think there's that guy right now in the organization i know people are high on cole perfetti and maybe he's there at a certain point that comes in and plays you know even in the two hole behind dubois Um, you know, for 18, 20 minutes a night and doing all those other things. Like, I don't think it's going to be a one-for-one trade and maybe it's a younger player that has a little bit more team control that the upside offensively isn't quite there with Shifley. But, you know, frankly, a lot of the things that we talked about Pierre-Luc Dubois coming in is maybe a more complete player uh, that brings some of the intangibles that, you know, maybe have, uh, have not been there with Shifley this year that have, you know, in many people's opinions, had a detrimental effect on the team.
4: Yeah, no, that's a fair point, Hudson. And, and you're right. I mean, it, one thing why the Jets would have to tread very lightly when it came to that scenario is that that type of production is not easy to find. You can't just go pick off a guy off the street and say, hey, man, you know what I need out of you? 80 points. I mean, yeah. um, but the thing, the other, the interesting part to me, Hassan, that's really developed over the last couple of weeks here. It seems like Paul Stastny is open to sticking around with the Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, they'll have to make them a you know suitable offer that doesn't get beat by someone else. But, Hus, I mean, what have people been clamoring about for the last two years? Get Paul Stastny back at center. If you play Paul Stastny at center with Nikolai Ehlers, you're, are you going to get 80 points? No, but I bet you could get somewhere closer to 60-plus plus. And you would save on the goals against side of things, given his defensive awareness and acumen. Now, again, I understand the next year Paul Stasty will be going, you know, he'll be 36, 37 uh, by the time the year is over. But I would say that is a bit of a stopgap measure that could kind of lead you to when Cole Perfetti is ready if the Jets view him as a center long-term. We know he's played almost exclusively on the wing with the Jets and has played both with the Manitoba Moose. So, I mean... The fascinating part, Huss, and I wondered about this at the time, I mean, what? and this is goes back to your point about why the Jets would have considered moving Shifley at the deadline so that a team could get three runs with him. If you moved Shifley and you slid Andrew Kopp into that second-line centre role, again, you're not getting 80 points from Andrew Kopp, but you might get 55 or 60. And again, because of his defensive awareness, you might have been able to have a net gain on that front. And man, oh man, how about the job that Andrew Copp has done oh. since going to the New York Rangers? And for all the folks who said Andrew Copp can't play with skilled players or doesn't have the hands, uh, I'd like to know what you think about his work with the bread man lately. Um, anyways, that, that, that's a quick wake-up situation for me, Husband. Um, <laughs> He's got to slide anyways. a little wake-up in there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh, but, man, in terms of the Jets, I mean, again, Scheifley for Perf- Provorov hit one for one. I mean, does that make sense? People would say, well, what are you doing? I mean, the jets are already at a log jam on the back end, but you have two players that, you know, have sort of underperformed in their current situation. Provorov can play the right side. He's not, a, you know, he's not a big steamroller, but he's a guy who plays a physically engaged game. You could see him really succeeding on a pairing with a guy like Josh Morrissey, or maybe even with a Neil Peok uh, who we know has had a tough go since December 5th. Um, I think it would just give the jets a little bit more flexibility to make some moves with some of those other guys on the back end, but you're right. I mean, if the, when the jets have to unload the long jam on the back end, especially on the left side, now you have to go out and get top six talent, whether, whether that's a centerman or a winger, we know the jets need to upgrade that part of it uh, because they've got enough from Kyle Connor, obviously, who's been their MVP. They've got enough from Nikolai Ehlers when he's been playing and Hus. I want to rewind the tape. I mean, up to 21. Now you only need eight more in these last 13 games. And I still say <laughs> he does it. Well, I,
1: I, I hope you are right. And even if the team doesn't make the playoffs, if they could just at least get to 93, um, we'll do that. Yeah. Remus. Sure. That that would be great. We'll go, we'll get the hacks on, get his, to get his thoughts on that coming up at two uh, 30 on the program. Looking forward to that. Lee hacksaw Hamilton coming up in a little bit. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's still some potential for some of these overs to hit. Um, And I'll say this about Nikolai Ehlers, just because it's so easy to keep. I mean, the issue of Shifley is so glaring over these last couple games and something we've been talking about. I knew there was no chance that we got to it, uh, didn't get to it. But let me ask you about Ehlers in that, and this dates back all the way to last weekend. I mean, we spoke on Friday coming off that stinker against Ottawa, going into the game against Columbus. And I was really assuming and expecting that we would see Nikolai Ehlers back alongside Dubois and Connor. Obviously, Connor's out right now, and there's been some other things that have changed around. Um, But it has been interesting to see Shifley with with Ehlers at times, and then the last couple games, like breaking them up and having things around. I mean, what have you thought about Ehlers and the ups and downs that those two particular players have had? Because at times it looks great, and at times it just looks like they are not on the same page.
4: Yeah, it's interesting, Huss. I mean, those are two guys who love to have the puck on their stick. I mean, we know that Ehlers is a one-man zone entry, and and Mar- Mark likes to be the guide distributor. You know, directing the traffic with the puck on his on his blade as well. Uh, there have been times where they've been absolutely in sync, and you know, created some uh, magical magic t- to be honest together. And then there's times where they're completely not on the same page. I mean. For, for as poorly as Shifley was defensively yesterday, with the exception of his play on the, you know, when the, when he was down low and had the nice entry on the other goal. Um, the play that those three made, um, Shifley to Ehlers, to Paul Stastny on the back door, and I meant to mention it last last night in the postgame show. I mean, everybody sees Paul Stastny miss the net. I think what most people miss, Huss, Mitch Marner has this little tug. It's not a full-on hook, but I think he just got his stick just underneath Paul Stastny's hands right before he went to lean on that offside one-timer. And I think, honestly, that was enough to disrupt the shot going wide. Um, Obviously, Stastny disappointed in his interview in the intermission with Dennis talking about missing that opportunity when the game was still tight. Uh, But, I mean, that's a play where it was absolutely magical with those guys. But, uh, I mean, the flip side here has, I mean, Ehlers has been awesome since he's been back points in, I think, 12 of the 15 games. And, you know, he's up to 40 points just it just goes to show i mean we talk about the up and down nature of shifley's season the fact the jets missed nikolai ehlers for a quarter of the campaign i mean that's one of the biggest reasons why they're going to miss unless they have a miraculous rally i mean yes we understand injuries are part of the game but when they come to an incredible play driver like nikolai ehlers it just goes to show uh, how valuable he's been to this team and speaking of valuable uh, I know that uh, some folks who kind of got up in arms. And w- when I suggested that Kyle Connor should be on the periphery of the Hart Trophy conversation, I'm not saying top three right now, Hus, but he would be in that kind of five to 10 range for me. I mean, how much did the Jets miss Kyle Connor in these last two hockey games, Hus? I mean, and when you see how consistent he's been, how many game winners he has, how many third period goals he has, I mean, and when you see what he's done on the penalty, look at the penalty kill struggles these last two nights when he was out as well. I mean, he's the Jets' MVP in a landslide, and I honestly think he's in the top 10 of the NHL MVP uh, candidates right now. Yeah, Liz, I'd probably have time to maybe
1: see him squeak into the top 10. I'm not sure that he's in the top five. I think we probably no, no, saw sure. a guy that'd be the finalist. Let, let me maybe put you on the spot 10. here right now. If it's up to you to name the three finalists right now for the Hart Trophy, yep. who are your top three, Ken?
4: Yeah, I mean... Top three. I mean, Shesterkin has dipped a little bit here, but I think he still would be uh, in the running. I mean, Roman Yossi to me right now would have to be in that race as well. And then I know that the, uh, the, the folks in the hockey center, of the hockey universe have Austin Matthews and he deserves to be in the top five. But right now, dry Matthews would sort of be kind of neck and neck for me. Uh, I understand Cole McCarr. I would say he would be in the conversation for the top five as well. Uh, so maybe immediately I should be saying Connor six to ten rather than five to ten. Um, those would be my top five hus. I mean, in terms of the top three, I think it honestly depends on how the season finishes. I mean, Austin's going to be up there because of his fifty goals. But I mean, Leon Dryseld, even though McDavid is at a hundred points, um, man, Dryseld has been absolutely phenomenal this year, um, and I think that he would have maybe maybe there would be some vote splitting there too but uh, I think he's in the conversation. I think people are completely missing um, missing out on the season. Roman Yossi is having. I mean, yes, of course, goaltending has been a, a key for them with sorrows, but I mean, Roman Yossi is doing absolutely phenomenal things. And he's, to me, he's the biggest reason that Nashville is ahead of the jets in terms of the standings right now.
1: Well, there's no doubt about it. He's been the best scorer in the league over the course of the last four to six weeks. And, um, you know, it was basically assumed that Kale McCarr was going to walk away with the Norris right? a month and a half ago. Right now, we were looking at the odds on Coolbet yesterday, and you know they still had Kale McCarr at minus three thirty three and Roman Yosi at plus three hundred. Needless to say, I made a wager during <laughs> the segment as we were doing that. Did check back today, and that number's gone down to plus two fifty. But to me, that is a pickem. If anything, yep. I mean, I don't know why. Put it this way, I think they're just slow to react right now because this really is a two-horse race. And I would offer that Roman Yossi is probably the favorite right
4: now. I would have him as just like a shade ahead of Makar. I know that Makar has such a big impact on so many areas of the Avalanche game. But Yossi, uh, to me, Yossi is just the better defender. And I mean, if the point totals are almost equal, I mean, the trophy is being handed out to the top defenseman. And again, Makar is a solid defender, no doubt about it. But I don't see him being at Roman Yossi's defensive level, which is why I give him the slate edge right now.
1: Um, Kenny, let's uh, get back to the game. Well, Speaking of the blue line, um, and and listen, much like I didn't want to judge Dave Lowry after three (laughs) games as a head coach, give him a little bit of time. I mean, I think it's still very important for us to not have every single game Vili Haino plays as a... Um, you know, a, as the game, whether it shows, yes, he's ready. You know, referendum, he's a top four defenseman. Referendum. Yeah, it's not a <laughs> referendum. Um, because to be honest, going into it in Buffalo, I mean, playing with Neil Pionk, I thought he's really showed a lot that, you know, is, is, is to be excited about. But I think we also saw last night that he's still a young player and there still is quite a bit of work to be done to be able to hang against top competition for uh, 82 games. I mean, uh, what have you thought about Vili lately and the, some of the struggles he had last night?
4: I've liked him a lot lately, Huss, but uh, again, for all the folks that were mentioning on the old socials this year that Billy Hanel has nothing to learn by playing in the American Hockey League, Uh, I think they got themselves a bit of a a rude awakening to drop one of our uh, 80s wrestling references (laughs) down. Um, Billy had a tough goal uh, yesterday, there's no doubt about that. But I loved his games before that, Huss, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I thought he had been very steady. Uh, I thought he had earned the extra work. I thought he played with a lot of confidence. He was very assertive um, in terms of his reads. Uh, Yesterday, I found him to be a little bit reactionary on the ice. Uh, He's a guy that – it's that fine line, though, Huss, right? I mean, he has to be aggressive given his body type, and he has to defend with his stick a lot like Toby Enstrom often had to when he was uh, stabilizing force on the Jets' blue line. Uh, And again, I'm not blaming Billy Hanala, you know, for having a rough go, his partner, who is a very experienced veteran, who was the best defenseman on the jets for the last two seasons, uh, also had a tough go. And the partnership itself, uh, uh, as good as it looked against Buffalo, uh, there were some struggles yesterday. And that's what happens when you go out against, you know, one of the most highly skilled teams in the NHL. So, Again, I agree with you completely. This is not an overreact situation. This is not not a, oh, Billy's not ready. Banish him to the moose for good. He can't play. No, definitely not. No, No, I think he needs to play,
1: though. I mean, the one thing, I I mean, I think sometimes, especially with where we're at in the season right now, um, you know, you can learn some hard lessons um, being the victim of uh, guys like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And, I still think, I mean, the more and more I watch him, I mean, I think that he is going to be one of the guys that we'll enjoy watching for a long time here in Winnipeg. But because of a game last night, and listen, would I love to see him play in the playoffs and the Calder Cup playoffs for the Moose? Absolutely. But for right now, I would really like them to, you know, realize it's not going to be a Picasso each and every night but get him out there and get that experience that, frankly, for a good portion of the season he wasn't getting, um, recreating the Bernie Sanders pose upstairs with the popcorn in the uh, the press box.
4: No doubt, Hudson. Again, when I say Billy Haynel can still learn a lot at the American League level, I'm talking the same way you are. Uh, Billy Hanel, when the season is over, needs to go down to play for the Manitoba Moose and play 22 to 24 minutes a night to be used in all situations and to you know make up for some of that lost time that you just touched on in terms of being a spectator uh, on a few too many nights. Uh, But right now I want to see him be given a little bit more leash here. Hus, I think he deserves it. I think he needs to learn at this level. There's no doubt about that. I mean, will there be some night again? Could you see a rotation happening once Nate Schmidt is back for the, you know, for the game against the Colorado Avalanche? Sure. But I mean, his spot is not guaranteed, but that means, but it doesn't mean he shouldn't be con- in consideration for that spot. He is in consideration for that spot. And I'd like him to be given a little bit of a, you know, a bit of a mulligan uh, for yesterday's tilt. Uh, because, Huss, these are the facts. There are going to be growing pains for a young defenseman. Whether your name is Logan Stanley or Villy it doesn't matter what skill set you bring to the table. There are going to be hiccups. That was one of them. Uh, we should also say, too, also, Huss, because of what you mentioned, not playing a ton of games when you play in a back-to-back it's going to be a challenge because he hadn't had one for a while right even though when he went back to the moose well you you know know, what and let's speak
1: about that for a second because you know i'm watching minnesota these days you know regularly rotate defensemen in and out boston's been doing it as well now you know granted maybe they're looking ahead knowing that they're playoff teams and getting ready for the postseason but other teams are doing that i mean Listen, I know you've got five defensemen that are sort of there on the pecking order and you've had this one spot for whether it's Logan Stanley or whether it's Philly Hainala. But at this point in the year, certainly if they lose another game or two, I don't see what the harm would be in you know maybe giving some of the vets the odd night off and playing a few more of these guys and maybe even including uh, like Johnny Kovacevic that joined us yesterday and even Dylan Sandberg during this final month before they all go back and play big minutes trying to win a Calder Cup
4: yeah, I think there'll be a look for for a lot of those guys if the jets get to the mathematically eliminated stage huss for sure., uh, but right now again, too, as long as the jets are in it, they're they're probably going to be leaning towards their veterans. but, Uh, That just means that Hanel and Stanley are kind of going to be in competition for that spot. I mean, Dave Lowry talked about it openly before the team left for this road trip. Uh, And again, I know you talked about it on the show, but I mean, I loved how Billy handled himself a lot at the podium with Nate Schmidt. There was a lot of learning to be done, but to me, I saw a ton of maturity from Billy Hanel in terms of how he's handled what was obviously be a frustrating situation. I mean, nobody wants to be the guy sitting out. I mean, I've got some experience on that front, so I get it. I mean, it's not fun you got to make the most of it. And uh, the best way to change a coach's mind is by playing great. And the thing that I love from Dave Lowry, trust is a two-way street, Huss. It's not just the earning the trust of the coach. The player has to trust the coach also. So, uh, and that means following the systems and all those things, but it's tough when you're a guy like Billy Hanala, you want to show your offensive wizardry, which is what's going to keep you in the NHL, but it's the defensive side that's going to get you in the lineup right now. So there's a fine balance there. I haven't reminded the risk-reward element of his game, uh, but yesterday, unlike the two prior games, his defending was a little bit off. But again, I, we expected that to happen because he's not a finished product. I mean, even the guys who are veterans aren't finished products. So I agree with you. I think he needs to play more. Uh, I'd like to see him down the stretch playing the majority of these 13 games. Will that be the case? I'm not sure. But I mean, the other problem, has I mean, with the guy getting guys like uh, Kovacevic and Sandberg, I mean, not saying that it won't happen, but they're only allowed those four recalls. And with today's move, with Morgan Barron becoming one of those first four recalls, they're a little bit limited. So obviously, we've talked about Gustafson, maybe getting him a look at some point as well. So, I mean, if that's the case, I guess those three guys can be used in those situations. But it depends on how the next little bit goes here. And um, I expect the Jets to, you know, one thing they've done well, Hus, Is rebound. I mean, they don't have they haven't given themselves that more opportunities where a rebound will be important. But Saturday is one of those games where a rebound will be important uh, after the lopsided loss to the Maple Leafs.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Hey, speaking of keeping the puck out of the net, um, I'll be honest. I was surprised that Connor Hellebuck didn't go again. um, You know, afterwards, Um, what did you think about Dave Lowry's decision to go with Eric Comrie? Did it surprise you? And uh, what did you think about Comrie's game?
4: It surprised me to a degree, Huss, for sure. Uh, I, I think that, you know, you've been talking about it. Sean and I have been talking about it. I think if you were going to do the two goalie split, I would have thought they would go the opposite direction, right? Me I mean, the reasons that Lowry laid out, which were very valid. Eric Connery had won his past five starts. His record was excellent. His goals against average was excellent. And his save percentage was excellent. But I think if you're asking me who would give the Jets a better chance against the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think everyone would agree that that would be Connor Hellebuck. But I guess the other part of that equation is that you can't afford to let a team like Buffalo, who had gone, I think, eight games without a regulation loss. You can't show them that you're taking them for granted either. But to me, based on how Hellebuck played against Buffalo and based on the fact he had rest on Friday when Connery played against Patrick Liney and the Columbus Blue Jackets, I think I probably personally would have rolled with Hellebuck again uh, in the back-to-back, but again, he, he had a taxing game. He played 65 minutes in a shootout, so that may have factored into it, even though Dave Lowry did say this was the plan all along, and he, these are the facts, Huss. I mean, Eric Comrie's got to get more starts, so he either had to play against Buffalo or he had to play against Toronto, but now you're in a position where, I mean, again, in terms of his play, I thought Comrie, uh, let me put it to you this way, Hus. um, I think that it, was, it certainly wasn't Comrie's fault that the Jets lost or that he gave up six out of the seven, um he made some nice saves but he didn't get a whole lot of help so i mean i I would put that into the bin where i wouldn't put a whole lot of stock and for all the people saying i told you so comry was bound to play poorly uh, i i would also say that's a bit of a stretch also uh the leafs are a potent team they've done that against number one goalies they've done it against number two goalies and they've done it against number three goalies so uh, i would say that was more of a situational loss for eric comry and jets fans also have to realize husk this was the exact same position the Maple Leafs were in when they rolled into town on December 5th, and the Jets took all the glory in winning that game after Toronto played their backup and had played in Minnesota the night before. So, I mean, that's this is a, what's good for the goose is good for the gander situation. And it's not surprising that both of the games were blows when you consider the circumstances the losing team was in was under.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest with you, um, as a Hellebuck guy, maybe they did him a favor as to not playing him behind that because I mean, listen, I'm not—I certainly don't blame Eric Comrie for that goaltend uh, for that loss last night, and I'm not sure the uh, results are much different um, considering the way the team played in front of him for at least the s- second two periods, um, if Hellebuck is in or not. Hey Ken, and he got just- the
4: plinko, he got the Hellebuck plinko happening there <laughs> with the off the stick of Logan Stanley, off the shin pad of Brendan Dillon, so. Yeah, that uh, was uh, and the that, historic, and he was also in net for the historical films. Austin Matthews' fiftieth.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, we knew that was happening. Um, Ken, great stuff. Well, hey, sorry, before- he
4: was not in net because it was an empty, it was an empty net. netter. Sorry, but, yes, but he was in I the mean. game.
1: Well, exactly. He's he the guy credited with the L in Austin Matthews' fiftieth goal. But it was nice that there was no one in the net for that. They didn't sure. have to. Didn't have to be a part of that historical film when they uh when they break it down for decades and decades afterwards the greatness of Austin Matthews Hill still is a hell of a player though. I think he might be my heart trophy guy to be perfectly honest with you. Hey, we got to get to hacksaw, but um, very pumped. It's the beginning of April. I'm making my return to breezy bend this year. Are you excited for the upcoming Manitoba golf tour and getting back to see Corey and our friends over at breezy?
4: Well, Huss, you know that I am. Uh, I was able to get those five bonus rounds on the uh, MB Golf Tour 2022 road trip to Arizona. Uh, definitely looking forward to I mean, uh, we know Breezy's had a couple of uh, whole renovations that were complete at the end of last year, a couple other projects on the go. Uh, certainly looking forward to teeing it up. Uh, a little jealous. A couple of my friends in Calgary have mentioned their courses are opening on Sunday. I said we were not quite <laughs> at that stage here, Hus. Uh but uh, let's let's hope it's not too long. We've got quite a bit of thaw happening outside the windows here. Uh, looking forward to a, a tremendous season ahead, and uh, I'm going to say too, this was definitely red for Canada, but. It's also, I'm trying to will Tiger into finding a way into the Masters house with a little Sunday red on a Friday here for you, my friend.
1: I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And I hope we've got some Tiger to talk about next week when they tee it up at Augusta. Weber, I'll look forward to you and Rennie do your thing tomorrow night after the game on the uh, Kenny and Rennie YouTube channel. Thanks as always for joining us, buddy, and have a great weekend.
4: Yeah, you as well. Husk. great to be with you. And also folks who didn't check out our long form yesterday, absolutely awesome conversation with Brock McGillis. Uh, He was a phenomenal and Kyle Bukoskas, our Sportsnet colleague, joined us as well. Uh, Another one of those fun, fun shows. And a really important conversation with Brock, uh, who's been an incredible advocate uh, in terms of trying to get the hockey culture back into a place where it belongs. So have a fantastic weekend. Thanks for having me. And I love, I'm looking forward to hearing to say what Haxel has to say about the Bruce Arian situation and Tom Brady potentially running him right out of town.
1: We're going to get to that in just a second. Weaver. Thanks for doing this, buddy.
4: Take care of my man. Cheers. All right.
1: Uh, and uh, as we mentioned, April's here and it is so great to have our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club back with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Breezy, uh, you know, it's been a crazy couple of years for the golf industry and Breezy I don't think has ever been busier. Uh, But man, they've done, as Ken mentioned, some incredible work on the golf course, some major whole uh, whole work and reconstruction done and um, still have the best patio around for those uh, cold little brown jugs on the 19th hole. Um, I do believe there's a waiting list right now for membership as things have grown up. Also, the go to spot for an amazing place to host a wedding. You can find out more at breezyben.ca or find out more online about membership and options in the future at uh, our home on the course breezy bend country club um, our friends at not autocorp are ready for the summer if you're thinking about a new vehicle why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the knot team pop down and see them at waverly and mcgillivray or find out more online at knot.ca as well as about their new tesla experience program where you can drive a Tesla home, take it for the weekend, charge it up, feel what it's like to be uh, be a Tesla driver, and see if that makes sense for you going forward. Royal Sports, or uh, not Autocorp, excuse me, just down the way from Royal Sports, Waverley and McGillivray, and online at not.ca. And we mentioned those cold little brown jugs on the golf course. Uh, nothing better than a 1919 on the weekend, or on the back nine with some pals, if you're thinking about a beer purchase this weekend make it local and make it the best make it little brown jug you can pick it up at the tap room on william avenue at your local liquor store or beer store or you can order online at littlebrownjug.ca for home delivery citywide wednesdays fridays and saturdays order online at littlebrownjug.ca all right let's get hacksaw in here because uh we've been talking soccer we've been talking hockey but there's a lot of other things going on lee what's going on welcome back to the program how are
0: you my friend hustler good to talk to you uh what a busy busy friday huh if if not the nfl then we got baseball then we got basketball and now we got world cup soccer and by the way we got the nhl so yeah there's a ton of ton of topics on the table.
1: Did you watch the uh, the World Cup draw this morning? I mean, uh, it's been 36 years since we've had a reason to watch it here north of the border. But man, I can tell you, people are so excited about our Canadian team that finished on top of CONCACAF and is going to the World Cup for the first time since 86.
0: Yeah, and they got a bit of a break. Uh, You know, the Maple Leaf is in Group F. And Group F, I think, is a little bit easier than some of the others. Uh, Team USA is in a really rugged group. Mexico's in the group of death. I don't know how they survived that. So yeah, I watched watched a chunk of it uh, in between my rehab workouts. Uh, pretty impressed, obviously, with what Canada did to get there is an accomplishment. Now, can you win a game in group play? That's a big challenge. Can you get to the the group of sixteen? That's a real big challenge. So, I don't I don't know how deep Canada can go, but this is an accomplishment for the first time in three plus decades to do it. Uh, for Team USA, it's a tremendous accomplishment uh, to start from absolute ground zero. They have the youngest team in the history of the World Cup, average age of Team USA. And what uh, Greg Berholt has put together is 23. That's amazing. And Mexico, I think, has got a real hard road. Road. They don't have a good side. Uh, their coach has got, I think, credibility problems with the players uh, and with the, the soccer community in Mexico. And they're in the group of death. I mean, that, that group, that mexico is in is is just brutal so hey bring it on november it's going to be fun that's for sure
1: and can't wait and then the other group of death that people have been talking about the one with germany and spain and japan and one of the qualifiers so uh hey you know it could have been better you could have been in the group with qatar uh but certainly for us it could have been worse and uh we are ready to be uh to take on the belgians on november 23rd in qatar when things get going Lee, let's move over to the National Football League for a minute. Um, what did you think when you heard Bruce Arians stepping down earlier this week right off of a, a whole bunch of interesting Tom Brady rumors? What, 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 what have you heard and what should we believe?
0: Well, I think you have to understand that Arians does things his own way. And not a heck of a lot of us in society and sports get to go out on our own terms, and he did. Now, whether or not he had thought about this at the absolute end of the season after they got knocked out of the playoffs or whether it kind of set in later on in the offseason, the end of the day, he made the decision on his own terms and he did it outside the window of the Rooney rule, which is kind of intriguing. Uh, He had his hand hand handpicked successor there. He you know, he and Todd Bowles, who's replacing him, go back to when Bruce Arians was a head coach at Temple and fixed the Owls program. And Todd Bowles was one of his players. And, of course, Todd Bowles had a really nice career in the NFL as a safety. He became a head coach, did a pretty decent job in a pretty tough situation with the Jets and got fired. Uh, Arians hired him almost immediately. This this thing was probably set in place four to five years ago. Bowles is good. Uh, and Bowles knows an awful lot about that roster. Arians will stay there as a consultant. I just think Bruce does things Bruce's way, whether it's dealing with the damn media or it's dealing with players who step out of line like Antonio Brown, or it's dealing with his own job performance. So, you know, there's, there's health issues there. You know, he's a two-time cancer survivor. There's a heart issue there. I just think it, he felt it was time to get out. And I was told last night that he had conversation with Brady when the day that Brady indicated he was coming back, Arians told Tom Brady at that point, I'm not coming back. Uh, keep it under your vest. Don't tell anybody, I'm going to announce it in my own time. So Brady knew coming in the front door the second time that Arians wouldn't be there and that Bowles would be the coach. So I don't, I don't buy the theory that this was triggered by Brady or anything else. I just think Arians elected because of age, mileage, and health. And the fact he had the successor he really liked uh, to replace him. Time to
1: do it. Well, and you know what? Credit where credit is due with all the talk about the Rooney rule and the uh, lack of um head coaches of color in the league. Bruce Arians has been a guy that has been given them given the most opportunity um to black coaches on his staff. And you know, he did say he believes in succession, and he figured that this was a perfect time to put Todd Bulls in a situation that he could win in, as opposed to you know, leaving after Brady's gone and going into a very uncertain situation where, of course, the head coach can be the scapegoat. Very, very honorable oh, things for Arians.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And I'll mention this as a sidebar because it's not gotten a lot of, a lot of credit. Uh, Bruce Arians, of all the coaches in the NFL, all the organizations in the NFL, carries the flag for minorities. He's got 11 African-Americans on his assistant's coaching staff and one female coach. I mean, he has been a front runner. helped the black assistant coaches progress. He tried to get Bowles a head job other places. He tried to get uh, Byron Leftwich, his offensive coordinator, a head job. All three of his coordinators are African-Americans. So, I mean, he's a, he's a unique guy, a different guy, a bully of a guy, a very special guy. So he goes off into the sunset making the rules the way he wants to make them. Uh, but he leaves Tampa, I think, in a pretty good situation because he does, as you say, he believes in the word continuity.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he, um, uh, listen, he got a Super Bowl ring. He did it in style, and he did it his way. And um, I think he certainly leaves that Buccaneers organization in a much better spot than when he got there for Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. Lee, elsewhere in the National Football what's going on with Jerry Jones? He seems to be uh, in some hot water, uh, dealing with uh, mounting lawyer fees. I guess that's nothing new for uh, Jarrah.
0: Well, Jerry, you know, Jerry has a history of, of being a guy that likes to party. That goes way back to his days in Arkansas. Uh, Jerry obviously was involved with a woman from uh, Little Rock. She became pregnant. She had his daughter. Uh, He took care of that family. He paid over $3 million. And I don't know if you want to call it a paternity lawsuit, because I was told he volunteered to do it, set up trust funds for both the the wife and, and the daughter, took care of them. had no interaction with either one but has poured money into it over 25 years and now this woman has gone public and sued saying she wants title to the fact that jerry jones is her father now she indicates that this is not a money grab that 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 she did get three million dollars or her and her mother got three million dollars from the relationship that jerry had with the little rock arkansas woman and her education was paid for at smu by jerry jones she says it's not about money. However, Jerry Jones's lawyer last night indicated that he has a letter from this family asking for $21 million that they wanted the past agreement that was put into effect in the 1990s set aside. So I don't know where this is going to go. I mean, it's not like Jerry Jones is the only guy in America that's ever had an affair uh, and had child support payments due, But it is it's kind of messy for Jerry Jones to have to deal with. But he'll get through it. He always does.
1: Uh, Daniel Snyder, also, uh, it seems to be one thing after another when it comes to uh, the Washington football teams, uh, whether it's the books, whether it's what's happening uh, in the office. Um, and uh, another headache for, uh, for Dan Snyder, who seems to be Teflon, despite all of these things that have been reported about him.
0: Well, another headache for Roger Goodell. I mean, because not only is Goodell on the NFL taking all this enormous heat for refusing to reveal any of the specifics and details of the investigation about the toxic workplace environment storyline. Now there's a second investigation going on involving additional women that have come front and center. And now you got this situation where, quote, hidden money and accounting practices of Daniel Snyder and what, what was put in one set of books as it relates to revenue streams for the Washington franchise that impact the salary cap versus what was set aside in a separate accounting book uh, as to the actual amount of money that the Washington Redskins commanders uh, were taking in, uh, th- th- this guy is, is obviously got got credibility problems everywhere in the NFL with his own organization, with society. I don't know how much farther down the road Goodell can go before they actually discipline this guy. They did did you know fine him ten million dollars. They barred him from day to day operation of the franchise, but his wife runs the franchise. You got to believe he's in the background. Uh, He's still on four different committees of the National Football League. And I mean, if if this was an owner who was going to be forced out, why would he be doing all these things as it relates to the NFL? So it's it's really messy in D.C. And it's just it's one of multiples of things that Roger Goodell is dealing with because he's dealing with that. He's dealing with the beginning of the investigation in Miami or the tanking rule situation with owner Stephen Ross. He's still got to make a decision somehow once they get through the investigation with Deshaun Watson what they're going to do to the Cleveland Browns quarterbacks? a lot of stuff going on in the national football league. And it's all off the field.
1: Hey, well, uh, there was a really interesting signing and uh, the champs keep on adding veteran players. I mean, they don't do picks anymore in L.A., uh, but man, they're a good landing spot for established veterans. And Seahawks legend Bobby Wagner staying in the division and going to the champs five years, 50 million bucks.
0: I don't want to say that people in Seattle are cratering emotionally, but it's bad up there because they are facing a massive total ground zero rebuild. Russell Wilson to Denver opens up a lot of cap space. Now Bobby Wagner gets released. That opens up more cap space. Wagner winds up in the division, which does not go down very well. It's interesting to me, Bobby finally agreed to sign with the Rams last night, but it was a much lesser dollar figure than a lot of people thought he was going to get. And I think it's an instance of him coming in the front door wanting to get a ring. Uh, and he's got a good chance of getting it, even though he won't be making the same amount of money. He won't be making $16 million. He's to make, making $10 million a year. He'll never see the end of the five-year contract. But I think it's just structured that he gets a chunk of the money up front, and he gets a chance to go for a Super Bowl w- ring with the Rams. And it's, it's interesting because the Rams offered Von Miller – something akin to 12 to 15 million a year to stay and he instead went to buffalo on a 6 year deal so they get bobby wagner different type of player obviously but just a stud in the middle they get bobby wagner at less money than they would have had to pay von muller so yeah the, the rich do get richer and that he's a really good football player he's got a couple of good years left didn't have a good season last year but everything around him was just ragtag in seattle so he got a new lease on life with the rams
1: hey i can't uh can't not ask you about your favorite uh receiver antonio brown what's the uh it it, there's no way a team signs him do they not to mention i don't believe he's had his surgery that he allegedly needed for uh when he uh left in uh very spectacular fashion from the sidelines of the bucks
0: you need to stay off twitter ab just he does it again he tweets out he says oh i have all these offers." Well, i'm gonna sign when a team makes a commitment to me and oh by the way i haven't had the surgery gone through the rehab yet i mean that's it, like putting the cart before the horse nothing nothing matches up there whatsoever uh will he get a minimum contract yeah but think about this you know and i I link him with the other pittsburgh Steeler guy remember Le- levion bell who held out a whole year with the steelers and yep Contract dispute, even though he had he had a contract and, you know, he was supposed to make $14 million that last year in Pittsburgh, and he sat out and wound up getting traded, and he's bounced all over the roadmap then. He's hardly making anything. He's unemployed today. Antonio Brown was supposed to make $16 million. Had he stayed the course in all of his contracts, he would have made $16 million in the coming season. Well, he's out in the street as a free agent with all that track record stuff tied to his tail. Uh, and now he goes public and says, well, I'll commit when the team commits to me, and then I'll uh, have the surgery, and then will the rehab. And, strange dude somebody will sign him it'll be a minimum contract and then we, you and i'll be talking about this in the fall that he does something stupid again
1: yeah well, we'll be putting up an over under on how many weeks he lasts with his team is what we're going to be doing he's someone asking about alvin kamara's situation he was of course uh, involved in that incident in uh, in vegas i believe in and around the pro bowl um should we be expecting a suspension for kamara
0: well somebody else has surfaced and turned themselves into police i was told uh that it was actually the the catalyst to the incident. So I think Kamara might be viewed as wrong place, wrong time, might have done the wrong thing, but I don't think he was the guy that caused this incident uh in this hotel, bar, et cetera. That's that's at least the, the last I heard. But I don't think the Camara thing is as serious as obviously what's going on in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson.
1: No, no doubt about that. Hey Lee, before we go, uh what do you think? Are we gonna see Tiger tee it up at Augusta next week?
0: Well, the, the, I was surprised with the story that he showed up on Tuesday to, to play a practice round with his son. Uh, There's been no revelation at all as to well he play, how well he played. I think the bigger issue, did he, could he walk the course? Because you got to walk 18 if you're going to play in the Masters. It's not like he played in that, that tournament with his kid uh, a couple months ago where he yeah. rode in a golf cart. So I... I think it's a, it's just a long reach to think he could walk 18 holes and who knows what the condition of his game is. in. I, I guess if you're asking me what I think is going to happen between now and next Thursday, I think he steps back. He's just, just not ready, but it's a strange masters because he's not there and Phil Mickelson won't be there. And Mickelson is, you know, he is from San Diego where I'm based out of, he's disappeared off, off, off the, the, the radar. Uh, And uh, what's happened to him, I think, emotionally has got to be concerned to people in golf because this has been a special guy who's done a lot of great things and then just kind of went off the deep end with his attack on the PGA Tour. And the PGA refuses to say whether he's been suspended, but that was the feeling that he was going to get disciplined for his behavior, which was detrimental to the tour. They've not announced it. They don't announce discipline, but he may be sitting on the sidelines because the PGA commissioner may have ordered him sit on the sidelines but it'll, it'll be weird on thursday with no tiger and no phil
1: no doubt about it well i hope you're wrong on tiger i'd still think that the closer we get without him pulling out to the event that there's a chance that he could play and i and frankly the fact that he went and played the 18 and we didn't hear afterwards that it's a no-go makes me more optimistic but uh we'll see what happens next week lee what do you got cooking heading into the weekend over at lee
0: well, on my website, we write a ton of stuff. We're previewing the Final Four, which is going to be spectacular here in the States, North Carolina and Duke. How about this stat, Hustler? Duke and North Carolina and the Atlanta Coast Conference have met 258 times in the university's history. They have never met in an NCAA tournament game, and they will on Saturday evening in the second game of that doubleheader. So that's going to be fun. I'm watching the death march of the Los Angeles Lakers. This is ending really badly. Obviously, we got got the push for the final spots in the NHL playoffs. The Kings are going to get there. The Ducks have lost 11 in a row, and this is horrible what's happened up in Anaheim. They are headed to full rebuild mold. And obviously, we got World Cup soccer. It's just a ton of stuff. If you, if you check my website each day, you'll be the most informed person in Winnipeg beyond that host and this guest.
1: <laughs> You're the best, Lee. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks, Andrew. Have a great sports weekend. Nice to chat with you
1: again. You got it. There it is. The one and only Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Hey, a big shout out to my guy, Bozeman. Thanks for the super chat, dude. Make sure to stick around because Marble's coming up in just a second to finish off the week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, we've got a quick Princess Auto curling update for you. And of course, you know, all year long, we followed the Princess Auto teams, Jennifer Jones and Team Mike McEwen. And uh, it is now official that the... uh, our friends at team Mike McEwen are going their separate ways. Of course, Reed Carruthers our our great friend on the program. Um, the third, along with his longtime friend, Mike McEwen, uh, they did this, you know, this run to the Olympics now going their separate ways will be very interesting to hear where those two individuals in particular end up curling next season. And, uh, We'll see if we can get read on some point soon on the program to uh, maybe give us a little information on that. Of course, Princess Auto is the uh, spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can visit them at one of their two Winnipeg locations or find them online and shop 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Uh, busy weekend moose playing tonight jets playing tomorrow moose in the afternoon on Sunday before or after every game down to Canada life center pop down and see our friends at the Boston pizza city place. And if you're gathering for the game with friends, but not heading downtown, no better spot than your local Boston pizza lounge to watch the big game on big screen with the big sound. And of course, if you're staying home, you can always order at bostonpizza.com and make sure to check out those great game day deals. Hey, our friends at Nick and Nicky DQ are ready for spring, ready for the weekend. And of course, they're uh, over the moon with the reaction to the new DQ stack burgers. Make sure to try one of those today and uh, listen, we're now into April prime blizzard season. You can get one of those. i Think they still have those red velvet cheesecake ones there if you if your local location has that, definitely try that very popular. Of course, Nick and Nicky DQ Four locations, DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. All three Winnipeg locations available on the delivery apps. And if you do want to order a cake, custom made, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba, and uh, they'll uh, have it ready for you to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, we're going to get to our Canadian Club Marble Race coming up in a couple minutes. And of course, we'll also get to the Cool Bet Lines. Uh, But let's get Remus back in here. Remo, been all over the map today. Excitement about the World Cup draw. Did that with Nick Ziff at the beginning of the show. Uh, Extended Jets conversation. Lots to unpack after last night's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, it's not Friday without a marble race and a visit
2: from Hacksaw. No, definitely not. And always a lot to get to with Hacksaw. I was, I guess, interested in the uh, Bruce Arians stepping down. Tom Brady coming back. How is it connected? Um, I'm not really sure what went on there, but I think it's clear maybe something did or, or Todd Bowles, just a really good guy and he's deserving of being the next head coach. One of the two.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Arians had a couple, I mean, if you see there's a number of people former players saying Bruce Arians is a real one with uh, the, uh, you know, his uh, bit about, you know, putting Todd Bowles in a, situation where he can go in and succeed and you know lee kind of laid out the history that those guys have together um and the job that bruce arian has done in giving black coaches opportunities on his staff and uh, tell you what i think uh, you know bulls certainly deserves another chance i thought he got done a little dirty back in new york i think it's exciting for byron leftwich and um, certainly Tom Brady was there in the front row. He seems to be on side with the, uh, with the decision one way or the other. And let's just say, I think Tom Brady's going to have quite a bit of stroke with that coaching
2: staff. And obviously, I think he did as well with Bruce. I saw some comments uh, about Tom Brady in the front row saying, oh, a murderer always returns to the scene of the crime. Uh, I don't know, Tom, Tom Brady uh had a lot to say about uh bruce Rez. i do remember there was a couple times during the year where uh, arians called out um tom brady we were beginning like, of well, the season yeah. yeah
1: i mean and like no coach had ever done before but in some ways i think brady would probably respect that i mean the guy is a competitor and mm-hmm. he uh it, you know listen he had an incredible season i think he had 55 touchdowns so whatever oh.
2: bruce did worked quite well for uh for old number 12 yeah i mean brady was Maybe the best quarterback in the league, or at least best fantasy quarterback. He was uh out of control, and the injuries, and Antonio Brown leaving. I mean they you they were missing some of their key weapons there in the playoffs, like Godwin, and and not having Brown. I really really hurt. Them. Yeah, no doubt
1: about that. All right, um, I'll tell you what. Let's open up the marbles. And then we'll get to the cool bet lines while we can, uh, while we uh, while we load sure. them up. I know there's uh, there's WrestleMania lines so you gotta... it, uh, absolutely. <laughs> no, there's we we need to get to that. Uh, hey, and while we do that, April is here, and that means the new ready-to-drink Canadian Club and Ginger Ale is hitting stores today across the city and province. Next time you're in your Manitoba liquor marts, look for the Canadian Club display. All month long, if you buy Canadian Club. You'll get a free can of the Canadian Club and ginger to try. Um, But if you just want to dive in headfirst, grab a six-pack or maybe more at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. The new drink of the summer is here. It's Canadian Club and ginger ale ready to drink at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And of course, CC, great sponsor of the Marble Race. We will have a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie that we uh, co-branded with our friends at CC for the winner. And uh, we will do a DQ cake as well for the final marble to cross the, uh, cross the line. So we've got marbles open right now. Hey, will make sure you get one in there for our buddy Bozeman that just made the super chat. I'm not sure if he's still around here, but uh, would definitely like to get him in. Uh, but let's get to the cool bet lines. Quickly, in the serious stuff to bet on, we do have <laughs> some action in the National Hockey League tonight. There's seven games. Dusty and I did do picks today at the Lock Shop. If you missed today's Lock Shop, wherever you're getting your podcast, put in Lock Shop. Give us a sub, um, and you can also check Twitter for the video version of today's. I do like Buffalo tonight. I'm taking Buffalo as the home dog. Remo, it's Rick Generette night in Buffalo. They're yes. taking on the Saber. They're taking on the Nashville Predators. The rink's been empty all year long. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be rocking. Generate's getting his uh, initials or whatever put up in the building. There's no way the Buffalo Sabres can lose this game. I'm on Buffalo plus 156. Other games tonight, Rangers minus 189 against the Islanders. Lightning, massive favorites, minus 370 against the Blackhawks. I'm taking Tampa on the puck line. That's in our partner parlay, also available over at Cool Bet, boosted to 555. Uh, Red Wings over the Senators. Chris Abbott brought in the Wings today to win. They haven't done that very often, uh, but that's on the partner parlay as well. I like the Blues actually to beat Edmonton. Blues plus 132 on the road. Vegas one, minus 167 favorites in Seattle against the Kraken. And the Anaheim Ducks minus 118 on the road against the Coyotes. Ducks lost again to the Stars last night. No help for the Winnipeg Jets on the out of town scoreboard. Now, while we would normally spend most of the time talking about hockey and we can't wait to get to world cup odds when they're out it's wrestlemania week remus and every year we get into the wwe odds and uh, everything's up for wrestlemania right now uh, you got to get down to the uh, the very bottom of the sports it's under world wrestling oh there you got it right there so uh, right off the bat My guy, Pat McAfee, going up against Austin Theory. And this is interesting. McAfee minus 172 to win is the favorite. You would think that maybe with the push that Austin Theory is getting being in this match, they might use this to sort of build him up. Might be value on Austin Theory, but uh, certainly the name of Pat McAfee is going to get a lot of action going his way.
2: I feel like the booking um, in terms of building up young stars in WWE hasn't really worked, so it wouldn't shock me if, Yeah, it would be good to build him up, but uh, Pat McAfee, I think he's going to win. And I'm surprised by the number of celebrity matches in this year's um, WrestleMania. And we'll get to a couple more of those as we keep going.
1: We will. Drew McIntyre is a huge favor over Baron Cor- uh, Corbin. Seth Rollins is fighting against what we hey. believe to be Cody Rhodes' return to the WWE. This has not been announced. Rollins will fight. Everyone that follows the industry kind of knows that Cody's been coming, but um, he hasn't been. And thus, he's a heavy, heavy favorite, minus 667 against uh, the Monday Night Messiah.
2: Yeah, Because I was looking at this. And I knew that I was like, I've heard rumors that Cody Rhodes is coming, but they haven't officially announced Seth Rollins' opponent. That's the whole thing. Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. But you can bet on that. Cody Rhodes minus six sixty seven. Ronda Rousey is a minus one thousand favorite against Charlotte Flair that's Rousey's star power is not what it was when she first came to WWE and Charlotte Flair is still the queen. I don't know. Plus four fifty. I think there's some good value on Charlotte Flair for the, uh, the WrestleMania lines. That's, that's all Ronda Rousey's name. Not necessarily what will probably happen on the weekend.
2: Yeah. Like Charlotte Flair is a better, like too good of a wrestler to be in a match with, with Ronda Rousey. She needs to be with someone who can actually uh, throw down in the squared circle. So I, I, I don't mind betting on Charlotte Fleur. As you said, she's the queen. Now, New Day, Sheamus and Ridge Hollins. New Day's a big favorite. Okay, here's an interesting one.
1: Ray and Dominic Mysterio taking on The Miz and Logan Paul. Your guy, Logan Paul, Remo. Uh, Miz and Logan Paul, plus 106. Ray Mysterio, and uh, and Dom, uh, minus 147. I think I might be going with the underdogs. Here.
2: I, I'm surprised that Logan Paul would come in. Everyone knows that the Paul Pauls only take fights that they that they know they can win that so, are fixed <laughs> yeah that are, that are fixed i think this is a match where maybe ray and dom mysterio come out looking better but don't actually get the win well you when i said your guy i was joking with logan paul
1: but your guy definitely is johnny knoxville and he's a big yeah. favorite minus 370 to beat
2: canadian sammy zane there's no way he's gonna take a couple bumps i'd be shocked if he if he wins and J- jackass did just come out on digital jackass Four, by the way, so some great cross promotion here that they're doing. Um, I don't know. Well, yeah, that'd be so embarrassing for Sami Zayn. I'm curious what he'll look like in the ring. I'm assuming not very good. Sami thought- Zayn is hilarious. He'll be able to carry Johnny for a little bit. I'm
1: sure there'll be some fun stumps, uh, stunts. Becky Lynch uh, is an underdog against Bianca Belair. And uh, here's an interesting one Bobby Lashley's back, uh, he's going up against the giant Omos. Omos, minus 189. Bobby Lashley, plus 135. That's a tight one. And then maybe the closest odds in any match on the WrestleMania cards is that final one, AJ Styles and Edge. AJ's minus 133,
2: Edge minus 105 after the heel turn. I'm not up to date with that um, heel turn, but I think I would probably lean Edge. That seems like it would be the best match of the whole, of the whole card. Oh. Is yeah, that the no, Sunday night main event? Because it's two mm-hmm. nights now.
1: Uh, the the Sunday night main event is going to be Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns is minus four fifty five, Brock Lesnar's plus two eighty four. Lesnar always seems to win these big matches, and Reigns has been the champ forever right now. So I don't know. I might be going. I I'll be cheering for Brock. So I'll probably jump on him. He is. Um, He's
2: basically uh, from match over. Yeah, and Waiters is
1: asking if Stone Cold's actually wrestling. Well, it's not a match. He's going to be the guest of Kevin Owens on the KO show. And there's been a lot. I basically been hyping it up like a match. So there will be stunners. There will be beers. There will be hell yeahs. So uh, make sure you tune in to check that. Anyways, if you want to have some fun with WrestleMania, odds are up at CoolBet. Bet. You just got to go down all the way to the bottom of sports to World Wrestling Entertainment and take advantage of one of the two weekends all year where you can actually bet on staged sports entertainment. And if you haven't bet at CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at CoolBet. We'll be betting hockey mostly. And uh, as I said, I cannot wait to see what uh, Canada's odds for the World Cup are now that we have their draw.
2: Yeah, I've seen some high numbers um, on other, you know, floated on Twitter, but not on on CoolBet. Do you want to respond to any of the multiple comments we're getting in the chat who think that it's ridiculous that we're talking about uh, gambling on sports entertainment? And our response is, yeah, we, we know. And they do have- Fully aware. And we fully aware, and they do have limits for that reason on these events it's for fun I'm
1: not going to be as good of a weekend as I had last week I will not be emptying the chamber on sports entertainment bets but there will be (laughs) a few sprinkles on some of the entertainment going on so for those that celebrate Wrestlemania enjoy the weekend and uh if you want to get on it it's over at cool all right Remo good time to uh last call uh we can uh get the marbles in lot loaded up and ready to go on this Friday afternoon Looking forward to this game tomorrow though. We don't have too many Saturday night games in uh, Winnipeg. We get the Kings in town tomorrow night and uh shout out to Dennis Bernstein, our uh, friend from the fourth period who's making his debut visit to Winnipeg. Hopefully we'll see him tomorrow down at the game. Uh, and of course, um, if, uh, see how the jets bounce back after uh, a very, very tough 40 minutes in the second and third period against the Toronto Maple Leafs um, to uh, snap that winning streak at three. And, uh, another tough tough hit to the winnipeg jets playoff hopes all right so we'll get the uh, we'll get the marbles uh loaded up right away shout out to everyone that has joined us this afternoon if you are new folks uh, to win you got to be subscribed so make sure you hit that red subscribe button on youtube and while you're at it do us a favor and give us the uh just hit that thumbs up also helps us spread the channel always appreciated for those of you that uh, that helped do that. And again, shout out to everybody that's listening on the podcast. Uh, if you are able to Friday afternoons, always fun. in Winnipeg sports talk end of the program. We do the marble race. We give away some great prizes to all of our loyal viewers here on the YouTube side of things. So uh, if you're listening to this audio wise afterwards, try and join us set a set a weekly reminder around 2:40. jump in on
2: WST. So you don't miss the marble race. Uh, where are we going today? Reem. I gotta put all these in, so you want me to put in any what other bonus marbles am I putting in?
1: okay, put in Bozeman for his uh, super chat. I'm yeah, not sure if bonus. he was gonna
2: be able to stick around.
1: uh let's hey. put in hacksaw, let's put in Kenny Weeb, let's put in Ziff yeah uh and let's put in Alfonso Davies <laughs> okay and and you know what? We'll put in John Herdman as well. It big Herdman. big week for Canadian soccer. So Alfonso Davies and John Herdman also participating in
2: today's marble race. Uh, other than that, I think we should be good. Okay, I'm going to save this, and we will get get rid of 159 marbles when it's all said and done.
1: Nicely done. Oh, should we put in Cupcake Fart
2: Guy? That was last week. Okay, yeah. Story Dave, the fantasy. He's uh, he he had his marble last week. He's out. I don't think I put him in, but that was last
1: week. Schickster, I just said come by in around two forty. We don't have a set time. It's at the end of the show. You wanna what? You wanna be in the marbles, you gotta be there. But usually around two forty, even if you're a podcast listener, oh.
2: usually a pretty good time to join us. Todd for it's too late. Todd for time. he said we should put in Chris Rock. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh
1: god! I still can't get enough of the aftermath of the, the Will Smith Chris Rock incident.
2: That I was listening to a bunch of podcasts on it, like uh, Bill Simmons did, like the Sunday Night with Jimmy Kimmel. And I listened to Bill Simmons talk against like w- Larry Wilmore about it. <laughs> I listened to Jimmy Kimmel's like monologue, which was pretty well done. Um, now it's like, you know, you have hockey fights now, and instead of. You know, playing whatever music they play, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I meant song. to say that they did that at the Moose game on Tuesday. Oh yeah, just, there was just... a big
1: scuffle, and they played a Welcome to Miami, uh, and uh, it was lost <laughs> it, it was, that's, it was, I better. think, lost, lost upon most of the kids in this crowd that were just dancing and going crazy for it. But uh, it was not lost upon <laughs> me. So whoever was, whoever is playing that, well done to the uh, music guys at the uh, at the Moose they're, game on on Tuesday that's
2: night. That's such a good song. He has some really good songs, but yeah, they're going to be known as like fighting songs you know, rather than uh you know, good. Yeah, well, nap listen. Songs. Sunday was his
1: biggest hit in about 15 years, I think we can yeah, safely hey, say when it comes to Will. I like but that I'll, album.
2: His album, yeah. I got I got you saying. His album Big Willie Style is pretty good. Yeah. Ask me. But here, I'm trying to pick a track here. I'm not sure, I'm not sure which one. Someone said don't pick the one that we did last time where um, two guys were basically in the lead. That was just, that was time. just
1: weird. Like that can happen. You know, you run these simulations, physics based games. I mean, sometimes weird yeah. things happen. Um, that being said, it's your call on what okay. track we're going to be. Uh, Shout um, out to everyone that has joined us today on Winnipeg sports talk. Well, Rima sets this up again. If you're new, we do have a Winnipeg sports talk hoodie for whoever crosses the finish line. First is the winner. And then the final marble to successfully get across the finish line into the bin without going over the top rope, we'll have a uh, DQ cake for you as well. So a um, couple nice prizes, but again, it's more the glory of the, uh, of the marble race and the victory that people are here for.
2: All right, Reem. Well, I think they also want that hoodie. That means you're, like, you only get the Canadian Club limited edition hoodie if you've won. It's true if you've won you can't get that if um you can't get, can't that. get it
1: at the store you can't get yeah. it anywhere else it I is mean, basically you... a champion it's it's the master's equivalent of the green jacket you get a blue winnipeg sports talk hoodie if you're able to win the marble i race.
2: mean you can buy the hoodie in our store but it's not going to have the canadian club the canadian club logo on the arm you have to win the race that I little bomber that that's how you know someone is a marble specialist mm-hmm. on wst yeah yeah, it's the secret code. Well we're ready with the theme song here. So. Let's do it. Tristan, hit the music.
1: All right, the man himself, Tristan Rivers. And yes, Rob Mahoney was asking about the uh, the standings. Shout out to our uh, official marble race statistician, Josh Vatstalt. Rob Mahoney is, in fact, still in first in the all-time standings. One first place, two second places for seven total points. One point up on Greg M. I believe that's Greg Misner. And uh, Eric Jarlison and Doug Zapp are in at five points. BA Split, Jed O'Tom, Tom, Frosty, Winnipeg, and Jeff Kabilis all in at four. Although Kabilis, the only guy in the top 10 without a victory, he's got two second places. Maybe this will be Jeff Kabilis' day. All right, it's been a great week. Thanks again to our friends at Canadian Club. Next week, maybe we'll get some CC and Ginger to toss in with one of the prizes. But for today, we play for the hoodie. First place, last place Marble gets a DQ ice cream cake. Michael Remus,
2: let's drop the marbles. All right, and this is track called Alienated. I, I don't know. This one seemed new. It seems like there's a space motif going on here. Oh, yeah, here we go.
1: Stonewall Dave with a nice start coming out. Tracy Okraniak. Hi, Tracy. Uh-oh. Get Lishka with a nice start. Okay, we've got an interesting split.
2: There's two different ways to go, and I think the alien. Okay, oh, it just killed Sean 37.
1: Sean 37. <laughs> I thought
2: it was take... going to teleport him to the end. Oh, there goes Jeremy Nickerson. What's going on here with the spaceship? This is, this is a ridiculous track.
1: Hello. This is wild. Well, Sean Lischka seems to have a bit of a lead here. He uh, he's showing as the leader right now, although you have to watch all the. So the UFO is picking guys up and taking them out. All right, here we go. Stonewall Dave T. Will is in here. Oh, Sean Lischka is in first. Yeah, Gitch is, uh, Gitch is seemingly in a workmanlike fashion, avoiding the UFOs and this. staying alongside the left side of the margin. So Gitch does have a bit of a lead, although I'm not sure he's going to the uh, the right spot. Well, like John that. Lishka, so far he's managed to get through. Gitch, you got a nice lead here. Can you hang on? Is the question? And look at Greg M. Greg M. is in the mix too. Technically, I believe. Oh oh, Gitch is going to get in and get taken out by the. Did he make it through? yeah he made it through yeah oh i thought he was about to get taken up i thought he was about to get taken up by the ufo okay there's lots going on here there's a lot is there ever who is in first place we've got two different different directions larry eloy just about getting shot over who is it gonna be Um, oh and
2: look at this the the thing goes back and forth between greg m and sean Liska.
4: Oh, Gitch missed out.
1: Greg M gets in. <laughs> what a devastating way to lose! And Greg M is the new leader. A second victory for Greg. I think that's the first ever two-time winner. Wow! Congratulations to uh, to Greg M, our new clubhouse leader, and he's now has two first place, a second place, and a third place and Rockets to nine points in the overall standings. All right, we're going to see what happens here. Uh, tons, tons of people getting thrown over the top rope or not making it in, because as you can see, this pot goes back and forth from the two spots. That, that was what uh, ended up ganking uh, Gitch there at the end and preventing him from victory. Uh, we see Bardo, Larry, oh, Jeff Johnson, Val think- L., I think
2: Val L was last.
1: Yeah, I think Val L is last. Let's just check and make sure. Greg M, congratulations again. Amazing performance. Wow, I don't know how L. Greg M keeps doing it. Incredible. Yeah, he's, uh, he's great. So here's your top 10. Greg M, Cass, JGJC, T. Will's in fourth. Nicely done, T. Will. I Heart Gaming at fifth. Tom Brady's trophy case. Kevin Kolak. Uh, walk with Vince Donnie Boy Jen Nordman Todd for in 11th Les Thompson and uh, oh there's Alfonso Davies he came in <laughs> came in at 14th. That's... Ken Weeb with a nice performance Kenny wee but at, uh, at 16th all oh, relaxings there what up relaxing Bombers Trevor Braver, hacksaw in at 24th but now go all the way down to the bottom Remus, and let's just confirm that Val yep Val L two 59. So yeah, Val, just send us an email to Winnipeg Sports Talk at uh, Gmail and uh, let us know uh, which of the four Nick and Nicky DQs you'd like to pick the cake up for and how we can contact you. We'll get that set up, let you know when it can be picked up. And uh, of course, another W for Greg. Big, big win for Greg M. Uh, Remo, great, great night. What's that? What's going on this evening and uh, into the weekend for you?
2: You're feeling Uh, better now? You're back in the game? uh, Like I'm still I went to bed pretty early yesterday. Um, The earliest. That I've been done in a while, so I'm probably resting. I'm catching up on the newest season of Ozark. Oh, Tracy was asking, Tracy, you were. I think you got eaten up by that UFO. You got you DNF. Yeah, you got DNF'd. Um, catching up on this new season of Ozark. Watching, watching hockey. Also, I have a couple fantasy baseball drafts next week. I right? I have to read up on who's good this year Ooh, man a lot of studying a lot of studying to get ready for baseball i usually season. on top of it this year I don't know anything I did just get an alert that Jacob de is going to miss a significant amount of time to start the season so already bad news for the Mets so I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that I saw that before my draft at least they've got Max
1: Scherzer right who just went there yeah. so he could pitch with de Grom mm, aye, aye, aye. Anyways, folks, that is going to do it for us today. You've got to get the pods up and uh, get on to the weekend. Maybe we'll see you tomorrow. I'll be upstairs in the 300s. Pop by and say hi if you see me at intermission. Uh, once again, big welcome on board to our friends at Wallace and Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Great to have you on board. And, of course, great to have Breezy Ben back for another year. Cannot wait to get out to Breezy. This season, uh, along with the rest of our wonderful family of sponsors, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey. Don't forget, CC and Ginger in stores now and our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Folks, that is going to do it for us. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday to break it all down for you. Kicking off another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for being with us and have a great weekend.
0: Oh my God. Oh!
1: Shut it down. Let's go home! Thanks
0: for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.